High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, obsessed teenagers, wannabe rappers, stripper slash angels, um, foreign kid stereotypes, who else? Well, of course, especially America's sweetheart, Jennifer Love Hewitt. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Ron Rodriguez, and the slumber party's at my place this evening. But first, let's chat about your homework. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. So I hope you had a chance to check out Booksmart in the theaters. And if not, definitely check it out, because it was awesome. And I hope you listened to our episode on Booksmart last week with the Godfather himself. Joey Lewandowski. It was so awesome having him on. But today, today we actually have a iconic film from my childhood. Not an iconic film from today, but still one that a lot of people remember. The film was Can't Hardly Wait. And I can't hardly wait to talk about it. And I've made that joke all week and people are getting tired of it. <laughs> no, no, but it's honestly a movie that a lot of people remember and a lot of people like wanted me to do on this show and I definitely wanted to do if I were to name like 20 movies when I started this show like that I wanted to do can't hardly wait would be on there and I've brought two returning guests this week Michael Manzi who's been here a lot and we love him our forever senior <laughs> and another returning guest Dan Ferrara and big thanks to Dan for even hopping on from his home it was kind of last minute for him but you know I know you guys are going to enjoy the show but first, we have a lot to discuss, a lot to discuss. One of the things, as always, is how to follow us, how to support the show. And remember, you can do that by following us on Instagram, following High School Slumber Party on Twitter, liking us on Facebook, and if you ever want to chime in on anything, comment, 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 or email me at highschoolslumberparty at gmail.com. Oh, of course, whatever you're listening to us on. I don't think it's called iTunes anymore. Someone told me it's just Apple Podcasts. Well, if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, I think all of them have a rating app. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a good review if you can. And maybe most importantly, most importantly, tell a friend about all the magic happening at High School Slumber Party. That's not all we have this week. That's not all. Hey, come on, don't get up. What did I just say? I got big news. 
So next week, a little preview to your homework. It's not going to be a movie. <sighs> your freshman year is almost coming to an end. Will you make it to your sophomore year? Who knows? I guess you'll have to see. But your freshman year is almost coming to an end. And we're going to have a special for it. Our special freshman yearbook special? It's our freshman yearbook show. What it is is... You guys, the slumberers, you're going to vote on a couple different categories for our superlatives, if you will. And we're going to share some laughs, share some memories from all the films we've covered so far in High School Slumber Party. And if you want to know what those categories are that you can vote for, well, you can find out on our Facebook and our Twitter page. Or you can listen to the end of the episode, because I'll go through all of them really, really quickly. But I know you guys can't hardly wait for this episode. Okay, okay. That's the last time I do that, I'll promise. <laughs> no, but let's chat, can't hardly wait. So pack your favorite jammies, tell your mother you're sleeping over Brian's, because we're about to get our party on. Let's take it away with the title track from the film, Can't Hardly Wait, by The Replacements. Class dismissed. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about this one. This one's going to be fun, I think. There was a lot more I got into this, like revisiting. Because I haven't I probably haven't seen it in fifteen years. Oh, I haven't seen it in a while too. Mm-hmm. I guess, you know, before introductions, I'll just ask, when was the first time you guys saw the film Can't Hardly Wait? Um, um hmm. Yeah, I can't like put a date to it, but uh, No, around but I mean, when. <laughs> I was like, well, honestly it came out in what, ninety nine? Ninety eight. Like, right. Yeah, so I probably saw it. I probably saw it like eighth grade. Yeah, and I was uh, I had graduated the year before, so I think I caught it on TV. Though I wasn't at the theaters, but I saw it shortly thereafter when it reached home video. That's awesome. So I remember not the exact date, but I'm sure I could look it up. I remember exactly when I first saw this film (laughs) because it was our eighth grade graduation or something along those lines yeah eighth grade graduation and i went over to my friend's house with another friend and he rented this and he put it on and i'm like oh my god this is what high school is like <laughs> so this is like the high school movie that prepped me for high school for better or worse at least senior yeah. year you know like that's <laughs> that's the culmination the, the climax if you're lucky <laughs> if you're lucky to get th- through all four years yes Yes. I like knew I was I had to be young when I saw this the first time because of all the people like all the then very popular people like Jennifer Love Hewitt, but also the soon to be mm-hmm. famous people in the background that we recognize now. Like when I first saw this, the only person I knew who was somebody was Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> <laughs> like asking for 
for the, the yearbook signatures. <laughs> yeah, Melissa Joan Hart. Oh, we're going to get into this cast. Yeah, it, it's there's, a I'm very, sure there's very a long list, right? But Ooh. I was already a Ethan Embry fan, so uh, he was the only person I think I recognized. Uh, Seth Green, right? He's in here, too. So Seth he, Green, yeah. Yeah, he was the other face that I knew. Oh, yeah, so like I said, The awesome Wiley cast. Man, Brian. Airborne. <laughs> the Wiley Man from from Airborne, <laughs> a movie we covered on this podcast, a rollerblading movie, if you will. Check that in the archives, guys. But anyway, both of you have been on my show before, and Mike, as the senior, the forever senior of High School Slumber <laughs> Party, why don't you go first in introducing yourselves, and then Dan, you can go after him. Okay, Mike Manzi, RHS, class of 97, go Maroons. I go always Maroons. get tired of saying that. <laughs> <laughs> You've been on a lot recently, so I'm sorry. <laughs> it's No, it's cool, it's cool. <laughs> and uh, Dan, do you remember how to introduce yourself? Can you copy Mike at least? Yeah, Dan Ferrara, class of 2005, and go Golden Knights, I guess. Go Golden Knights, and just a reminder, oh. you guys, Dan, you were on Halloween, and you were on Encino Man. Encino Man. Ah, buddy, yeah. ah, weasel. <laughs> Weasel in the juice. <laughs> no, he's Love Polly. Link and I are cruising the mountain, bro, and we figure we's a little juice. Love him. <laughs> and Dan, you and I went to high school together. I met you a little before high school started. And we were talking a bit uh, before we started recording. And I realized, Mike, I met you on Dan's front lawn, but Dan wasn't even home. Yes, it was a freezing cold night. The first night of a uh, film shoot that we were, a project that was going on that we were doing. And uh, yeah, I wasn't even aware it was Dan's parents' house until this evening. But um, you and I met that night and somehow bonded over Harvey Keitel's portrayal in The Last Temptation of Christ. <laughs> and ever since that night, we've been friends. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, Judas. Ugh. He's talking to Jesus a lot. He has bushy red hair, and he's got a thick New York accent. Thick. Last Temptation of Christ. Yeah. He's I suggest like, it for all of you guys. Hey, Jesus. You're a disgrace! The Romans can't find anybody to make crosses except for you! You do it! You're worse than them! You're a Jew killing Jews! You're a coward! What's going on today? Why don't you make something nice over here instead of all these crucifixes? Come on, make a table. And he's like smacking him around. Oh, that's that's a movie. If you guys haven't seen Last Temptation of Christ, it's great. That's a that's a. Film. Do you guys think Jesus was a good carpenter or just like mediocre? Probably yeah. not. Very I mean, good. in that movie, he's a really good one. Like you see his workshop and stuff, and he's like, it's he's making. All those crucifixes and stuff, so he seems to be in business. But I mean, Fair how hard true. is it to make a crucifix? Two, two <laughs> well, I think the thing is, who who can they get to make them? Is the whole no one wants to make them, and yeah. So <laughs> we'll discuss as we've talked about, Mike. We're gonna go on Kyle's podcast, Foodie Films. <laughs> That's right. We gotta about save the last it of Christ for yeah. the Last Supper, right? Last Supper movie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about Can't Hardly Wait, which is a cult classic in the teen film genre. We've all seen this before. We all had a nice rewatch. But if you guys are not familiar with Can't Hardly Wait, I do this every week. I found a back of the DVD for this one, so here goes. <clears throat> it's graduation day at Huntington Hills High. A time for pomp and circumstance. Tassels and mortarboards. Mortarboards? What's... Square hat. Oh, that's what that's called? Okay. <laughs> Tassels and mo mortarboards. And a serious introspection about the future. But tonight, the seniors will leave all that behind for things that really matter. Romance, revenge, and rock and roll. Which is interesting. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ethan Embry, Charlie Corsmo, Lauren Ambrose, Peter Fastinelli, Seth Green, and Jennifer Love Hewitt star in one raucous comedy about the ultimate teen party. A once-in-a-lifetime alternate universe where class nerds become class studs, super jocks are humiliated, and freshman crushes blossom into grown-up romance. (laughs) From prom queen to bimbo, meathead to misfit, everyone will be there for a hormone-charged bash tapped for out-of-control fun. So I think a little interesting summary there. Uh, Very general, very sign of the times. I don't know about grown-up romance. I would actually counter that, but whatever. it's It's not bad. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, it's better than a couple of the other back of the covers that I've been on for. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. It's better, certainly better than that Hackers one I'm never going to stop bringing up. <laughs> Joey. <laughs> Joey hacks a Gibson, and then these friends have to like clean up his mess or whatever. Yeah, the Hackers <laughs> one for you guys who didn't listen to that one, the back of the DVD was completely about a character who was not the main character. This uh-huh. one is vague enough where it doesn't really matter. But um, like I said, this is a cult classic. It was not popular at the time. It didn't do well in theaters. 40% on Rotten Tomatoes by the critics. Whoa. 63 63% by the audience, okay. which kind of shocked me. I think in time, the opinion of it has changed. Hmm. I mean, what do you guys think? <laughs> when you first saw it, did you enjoy this film? Well, this actually, I had kind of like a existential breakdown. because like I grew up with my head that Jennifer Love Hewitt is one of like God's perfect angels. <laughs> and like, like, especially in this movie, and like, I'm like, you keep going back to like that memory. And it's like, for me, she always looks so much older, but she actually does really look like a kid in this. But uh, on the rewatch... Jamie Presley is smoking like, <laughs> like trashy '90s hot with like the glitter on the face. Yeah, yeah. Poison Ivy three, the last seduction herself. If I may just mention, <laughs> gotcha. ch- check out that episode of Third Time for Charm. But I believe it was the very same year. But yeah, she was breaking onto the scene. No, you're right though about Dan about Jennifer Love Hewitt because she's very much, and I, I'm not trying to like objectify her, but she's very much a '90s aesthetic for like what a pretty girl in the '90s should look like, and not that she's not pretty because she's absolutely beautiful, but it's different if that makes sense. She has a lot of hair in this movie too. Well, it's like <laughs> this is the fashion that everything it's it's mm-hmm. you're at that moment we're right on the cusp of like the millennium, yeah, and even like the Ethan Embry that Preston his character it's like it's. It's a lot of like shiny button down shirts, like <laughs> rave style like clothing. The nineties just finished coming into their own and now it's like the millennium's coming and that stuff is instantly like done. So it's there was a very short like <laughs> lifespan on the like the visual and like fashion aesthetic. Oh movie, yeah. I feel like I'd <laughs> say. I think that's what nailed it. I think that's why there is so much most of what I have about this movie is the fashion and the music. <laughs> oh yeah. For and, sure. and it's it's like oh, yeah. because of those two things, it is a very distinct moment in time. Quick uh, note it, on the fashion, I hundred percent will admit that I had those Seth Green goggles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what for like soccer <laughs> no uh, in middle school not high school to be and cool. i bought kind of but i bought them because uh one of my favorite wrestlers at the time christian of edging christian okay used to come out with them but they were trying to be like booed upon heels who like wore this aesthetic because they thought they were kind of too cool that's a bit be- that's a better way to put it and i didn't i never mi- mind being the heel so i didn't wear it to be cool i wore it because i thought it was funny you know <laughs> But I kind of want to buy one of these goggles again. (laughs) You know, you mentioned, though, the soundtrack, and this movie is 
very, very, very much a music film. That's the why, like, first song you hear in the like the credits roll, opening credits roll, first song you hear, it's Eve Six Road Song, <laughs> and I have that album. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll get into it once we're in it, but it puts you immediately, like, almost specifically into like that 1998, 99. And like nowhere else in the '90s, like specifically that moment. Yeah, a lot of Smash Mouth. It's all. It's of... got all the Smash Mouth songs that were ever released. <laughs> all two. They're all here. <laughs> a lot of uh, I mean, you might as well be walking yeah, yeah, on damn the it. sun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and honestly, I thought that high school parties and. I just guess I wasn't invited to ones like this, but I thought they were all going to be like this. Mike, you were you said you had just finished high school when this movie mm-hmm. came out. Was this film at all similar to your high school experience? <laughs> uh, I mean, my senior year experience, I feel like I was at a few parties like this. Yeah, after I oh, had I confirmed my graduation status that I wasn't going to, you know, get left back a year or anything like that. I had sort of phased <laughs> out of my punk phase i guess and uh sort of cleaned up a little more and was just like more social hanging with a lot more people and yeah and there was a lot of sort of more wealthy kids in the neighborhood that had big houses with parents that would go away and i feel like when you're seniors at a certain level especially when like spring rolls around or like late winter everybody is just like so excited to graduate anyway that you know everyone hangs out with everybody and everyone gets invited everywhere Uh, so there's like the mix of sort of clicks and things that you see in this movie reminded me a lot of like senior year you know this thing is extremely dated and i think that's part of what i love about it is like some (laughs) because some movies try not to be right and other ones sort of wear it on their sleeve and i think you know it's like yeah they're declaring like this movie was made in the late 90s like 96 7 8 and 9 i think would pretty much relate to this like pre-cell phone internet mostly the matrix hasn't blown everybody's brains out yet from you know how awesome things uh, how awesome that movie was and everything but i just feel like it was before a lot of things that are very common and almost taken for granted now and like you know there's some issues don't get me wrong but like those weren't issues in the d- back in the day like we talk about this a lot especially with comedies on cage club just across the board but for the most part i felt like it held up extremely well and it was uh, a pretty you know it not exact like you know things never got this crazy but you know it's uh <laughs> it's a good depiction of uh crazy high school party like I, I had a really good time watching it again and you bring up a good point mike like obviously a lot of these movies you said it was dated. And yeah, there are things that didn't age well, but it's not as terrible as a lot of films we've done here in High School Slumber Party. We recently did 16 Candles, and as beloved as that film is, that is a disaster with like political correctness. I There's can't... a foreign exchange student in this movie. It's not that great, but it's no, you know, it's not as 16 Candles either. No, no, exactly. And it's not nearly at that level. And there's not... 16 Candles was... Again, I, I, I like it, but it was very rough to talk about and get through because there's so much of that that if you watch it today, you're like, oh my God. Especially like in the Me Too world we live in now. And yeah, look, there's homophobic language in this. There's some questionable subplots there's a main character who's totally a stalker and does not take any time to actually get to know the woman he's in love with okay good we're gonna address that okay but there was very few moments where i was like oh my god this is yucky you know predictable for the time you know so yeah i think it's dated but i think it's more dated with 
as you're saying, the years that it was in, not in so much. Even a movie we'll talk about a little, American Pie. American Pie has like a total like non-consent scene that's pretty much the crux of the entire film. And there's not too much of that in this. I'm not trying to forgive it all, but it's, this is definitely more tame than those other movies I mentioned. I feel like, yeah, as far as you said, like, like off-color comments and stuff like that, absolutely. But also, some of that is the most realistic moments in the movie. Like, for instance, after Mike's trying to get Amanda back, and he gives, like, you know, the whole, like, you know, you don't want me to take you back speech. And everyone just kind of <laughs>, laughs, and, like, and then it gets real quiet, and some dude just goes, fag! It's like, that's the most realistic moment in that movie. <laughs> I hate to say it, Dan, but that's how people talked at the time. I'm not saying yeah. it's good. I'm no, glad no, we I'm don't do that, that anymore. Is the most, that is the most realistic moment in that movie. <laughs> you, you can't say it wasn't true and it wasn't how teens were talking. I'm glad we've moved from that. But no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you guys mentioned music before, and the title comes from a song we hear in the credits by The Replacements. Not of this era, but can't hardly wait. This film's original title, though, was The Party. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what a lack of creativity. <laughs> it sounds like a like a surrealist film. Well, there was, wasn't there like a, there was like a found footage party film made a few years ago that I think it was called like House Party or, or oh no, that was like Project X. I'm sorry. That's Project, oh, Project X. Yeah, yeah Project Brian, X. you gotta I'm, get on that one day, but. Oh, yeah, that's on my list. Mike, when you said House Party, like with, uh, kid in play i was like oh, i don't yeah. think that's, that's found footage I... <laughs> <laughs> imagine if it was it'd be insane incredible <laughs> how different that movie would be they're not Both on this soundtrack unfortunately no unfortunately not um a little background on this film so the director and writer they're a team named deborah kaplan and harry l Elfond. Now, they went to NYU together. They've only directed two things. They've written a couple Housley. things. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Probably around the same time. <laughs> that was actually our high school films teacher, Mr. Housley. Shout out. High school, <laughs> high school shout out. So they've only directed this film and Josie and the Pussycats, which oh, I talk cool. about way more than... <laughs> I say, I feel like that comes up, even like non-podcast reasons, that comes up way more than it should. Yeah, that, that feels like it's a deeper cult film than this one ever will be to some degree but unfortunately Josie and the Pussycats is not a high school film despite like it being a high school uh I think the in the Archie comics they're in high school uh, so I can't really cover it but I do want to have a little quick side story on Josie and the Pussycats because I'd like to give myself a little pat on the back here um so on our New York Minute episode my guest Alexa Barikian mentioned how on Spotify the Josie and the Pussycats album was just unavailable. It wasn't there. It didn't exist. And I always thought it was a pretty cool album. And, you know, from talking to people, the consensus is that, like, the album is way better than that film. So we're talking about it on the podcast, and I looked it up, and I realized that Mondo, who, if you guys don't know Mondo, definitely check out Mondo. They released some awesome vinyls. They released some awesome pins. I got a cool uh, Pretty in Pink t-shirt from them. Lots of great I think, posters. Yeah, great posters. Like They really bring stuff back. Like Dan, I don't know if you're familiar with Mondo too much. Uh, Mondo uh, works, or they might be part of Alamo Drafthouse. So a they, lot of the oh, stuff they do a lot of stuff in conjunction with, yeah. Yeah, like um, if you go see a movie, like a first run movie there, like the cup or the poster that they give you is usually like a Mondo poster. So Mondo re-released the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack on vinyl. I bought it. It's awesome. I posted it on Twitter that I got it, and one of our listeners she tagged because I'd mentioned that Kay Hanley 
from Letters to Cleo was like the lead voice on the soundtrack. Awesome 90s band Letters to Cleo. As Josie, like in the actual songs? That's not Rachel yeah, Lee Cook? Yeah, she, yeah, it's not Rachel Lee Cook. It's okay. uh, Kay Hanley on Letters to Cleo. And she mentioned that this other musician, who's pretty cool, Biff Naked, was also... Oh, yeah, I remember that. Biff Naked. Yeah, Biff Naked was also one of the voices of the Pussycats kind of on the album, not in the oh. movie. So she tagged Biff Naked. Biff Naked actually retweeted the tweet and was like, oh, I love singing on this album with Kay Hanley. She tagged Kay Hanley. Kay Hanley responded to it. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm like having these like 90s musicians talk to each other. This is great. And within one day, Josie and the Pussycats was on Spotify. Whoa. Brian. That's the impact I make on this world. Brian. That's, that's, the, actually, that's the slumber that's party bump. Degrees, yeah. Oh, that's the Brian bump right there. Crazy. Maybe it was a coincidence. I don't know, but I find that really hard to believe that, that was a coincidence. I don't know. I, I, I wonder sometimes how how the internet works these days because like a lot of times now when like how did this get made starts like putting out an episode about a movie within a week it'll be available on Amazon Prime or, or Hulu or something like someone's listening or watching or paying attention. Oh, absolutely. Crazy. And I think like you know you have two verified Twitter users talking about something. Spotify's monitoring it. It set off an algorithm. Something, right? Yeah. 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 This is how the singularity happens, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I just needed... Skynet's going to go live any minute. I I saw that these directors also did that. I'm like, yes, opportunity to tell this story and brag a little bit about High School Slumber Party. So (laughs) was super happy about that. But yeah, I guess, um, you know, they're more writing partners. And they just really wanted to write a film that took place at a party, like that the, almost the whole thing would take place at a party. And they certainly succeeded in that. But they really got like the money and the funding and the backing from the studio based on the film Scream. Hmm. Scream was the first film in the late 90s, apparently, that showed studios that like, wow, we could make money off high school films. Who's writing scripts for this stuff? And this is one of the scripts they found and one of the first um, teen films from this generation really, really to, to come out. And it didn't make the money, but it's certainly a precursor for stuff like 10 Things I Hate About You or American Pie, which I mentioned. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's weird because I feel like, you know, there's always been teen movies, but then again, I, I wasn't always paying attention. So you never know. There's there's lulls and dips and things like that. But yeah, no, that's that's crazy. I didn't know that. Clueless stands alone a little bit from when it came out. So that's like kind of the outlier. But look, there's like this John Hughes generation and the films around it. Not all like Better Off Dead's not John Hughes, but it's, you know, it's in the same vein Mo- pretty much movement yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then there was a in the mid 90s there was a little bit of a lull in your standard like marketed to teen films like i said clueless kind of stands alone but even clueless i don't know if, how much it was marketed just to teens that seemed like a movie that everyone watched and then th- scream you know according to what i was reading was what really brought people back into hey, let's make movies for teenagers. And it's funny because it's a horror film. It's not like this kind of film. Yeah. But and I found it's that... like uh, it's like very meta too, you know, like it, it, it dissects the horror genre. So it's pretty sophisticated at that. Um, and I feel like most horror films in general are mostly about teenagers. So it's not like those weren't being made at the time. No. So it's weird that a horror movie would cause like someone to stand up and go like, more films that are set at high school like, just without all the murder. <laughs> Essentially. A couple other production notes. Breckenmeyer, who 
we see in this film, he was in Clueless as well, uh, he was actually the director Deborah Kaplan's boyfriend at the time, and he's like the leader of the band in this. Mm-hmm. Love Bert. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big Breckenmeyer guy. And also he, the and it was <laughs> the drummer in that is also in uh, Donald Faison. Yeah, he's in Clueless too. Yeah, so yeah. I thought that was fun. A lot of people here. Uh, I don't want to say they were cast as favors because it was quite the opposite. When this script was being passed along, almost every young actor in Hollywood wanted a piece of it because there were they were not making these teenage roles. At the yeah. time, you know, it wasn't something Mike, maybe in horror films, but like no, I said, no, I hear you. It wasn't like overflowing with like teenage comedies, especially. But they were kind of this is the sense I got. They didn't say this, but it seemed like they were kind of overwhelmed by the amount of young actors who want to be in the film that they relied a lot on people they know, their friends. They were relatively young as well. That's why you get like Breckenmeyer and Seth Green was like apparently Breckenmeyer's good friend. So that their relationships helped them weed well, they, out. He works a lot on um that robot chicken show with oh, Seth that's, Green. That's a good point. I yeah, they're still that. friends. Yeah. They've yeah, they've been working together forever, I feel. Yeah. That, that's a really good there's point. There's a lot there's a lot of like future collaborations that you can make links for like in this movie. Like, you know, a lot of like uh, like up and comers that you did like going back to like people we would recognize more now than mm-hmm. at the time. But yeah, but like a lot of like six degrees of separation type situations. Yeah. Um two actors will go on to be in six feet under. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Freddie um, Rodriguez, right? And Lauren, is it Lauren Ambrose is the other one? Yeah. yeah. So the two of them, like, she's more predominant in this film. I feel like she's more of, like, a lead, but they're both in here, and they both go on to work together. That's That was cool. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not sure if it's relationships that they had already established or relationships they would, like, establish through this film, but there are a lot of, like, almost cliques that... that uh, get formed later. I I thought that was like a really interesting aspect of the film. So let's get into this cast because there's a lot of people to talk about. We don't have to deep dive everybody, obviously, but as you mentioned, um, Mike, especially Ethan Embry, um, I I remember him from Empire Records. Yeah, but go even further back a little. Dutch. Anyone ever see Dutch with Ed O'Neill? No, I haven't. No? (laughs) Okay, so Ed O'Neill is getting married, and he's going to pick up his soon-to-be stepson, I think from, like, Military Academy, and they have, like, a road trip mishap movie on the way back to his mom and stuff, and along the way, they grow to love each other. Okay. It's pretty good. I don't know. (laughs) I I have to check that one out. <laughs> He's rusty in Vegas Vacation. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the first time I actually saw him in Vegas Vacation. Nick Papa Giorgio. <laughs> yeah, which I think was after this, but I remember like I remember recognizing him because of it. <laughs> yeah, there's certain times like I've seen a guy before it, but then like not remember if that makes sense, you know. <laughs> Dutch, by the way, from 1991, written by John Hughes. So oh, there you go. A little connection. getting connections all over the place here. <laughs> Um, okay, so Ethan Embry, of course. So Some Ethan Embry facts. I'm not sure if you guys read this, but he has almost no memory of filming this movie. What? He said he was high the entire time. Really? He, he He's really good in this. Like, he seems <laughs> lucid and genuine and, like, doe-eyed and with it. I'm Wow. Hmm. Yeah, he, he said he would just, like, between takes, just get high in his trailer. He would wake On up. What? to Weed. Like, nothing, nothing crazy. Oh, okay. But. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know, you know. <laughs> Did the cotton mouth give him that lisp? Well, there's, like, certain scenes of... 
dogma <laughs> where Jason Muse is like literally passed out in a chair in the middle of a shot because you know he's high. So like <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, one funny anecdote that I found was that um, Jennifer Love Hewitt like said he reeked so bad and she had to make out with him. <laughs> so she gave him oh. a gift like to be nice. It was a teddy bear that was like full of breath mints. Oh, what a class act! <laughs> and that was how she kind of told him like, yeah, I'm only gonna make out with you if you have mints. So uh, I thought I thought that was was a pretty interesting um, antidote there. Um, again, Jennifer Love Hewitt, kind of a, a sweetheart, party of five, right? She's in some horror films, I think, Mike. Oh, yeah. She also sang one of the songs on the soundtrack. Did she? Yeah, yeah. I remember her, like, because around the time of, like, I Know What You Did Last Summer and stuff and Party 5, like, she is huge in Japan. She, like, was oh. at the time. I remember hearing that, like, you know, some people are pop stars in other regions of the world. And I was like, oh, right. Uh, like, Hasselhoff is huge in Germany. Like, she's big in Japan. I didn't know that. That's cool. And Brie Larson was a pop star, which I learned previously or really when she was becoming an actor uh like yeah i went back on youtube and fell down a brie larson rabbit hole of music so wow that's cool oh i i remember her from some music videos at the time lfo's girl on tv that was that was a big song but also enrique iglesias hero she's like the girl in that as well so she she was everywhere I also remember her in Tropic Thunder. I think you'll get in that on Cruise Club. She's not in it a lot, but she's mentioned as, I think, Jay Baruchel's oh. love, love, love interest. Or, mm-hmm. like, he wants he wants to date her, and we see her at the end. Certainly a name from our generation. I don't know if kids today know Jennifer Love Hewitt too much. Well, she's still doing a lot of stuff. Is she? She had a show. She was on that show, Dollhouse, and she looked... Fantastic. Oh, was she? And did she, she have another whisper. show? Yeah, Ghost that's whisper. it. There is. Great, the there's Ghost another. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely. I was thinking media, but that's the other one. Just, <laughs> it's just I know of. Gotcha. Yeah, I always felt like she was a younger Aniston kind of stand-in. Like if oh, we need like a Jennifer Aniston, but younger almost, or something like I don't know, just like the hot, the hot it person at the time. I, know, yeah. I feel like Jennifer Aniston looks younger now than she did then. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. But I, I know what you mean, Mike. She's definitely like an it girl. Or, yeah. You know, at, at the time, Lauren Ambrose in this film, she plays Denise. And people who know me would probably guess that Denise is, like, my favorite character in this film. I see myself as a Denise, and I know that makes me me a little (laughs) bit strange, but I love Denise. Um, I haven't seen her in too many things. You mentioned Six Feet Under. But recently I was rewatching. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a Paul Rudd, Jennifer Aniston film, um, (laughs) Wanderlust. Oh, okay. I've seen that once, yeah. Yeah, they're about they're like on a commune and stuff, and she's in that she plays she's pregnant in the film, and she plays the love interest of um, Jordan Peele. And oh, okay. Yeah, so that was the last time I really saw her. Apparently, she's done really well in theater. Right. So you know, good for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I knew her from Six Feet Under. I've watched like every episode of that series. So she's great in that. Gotcha. Yeah, I I really really liked her, and I liked her character. Um, Peter. Fascinelli plays Mike Dexter, the kind of asshole guy, right? Mm-hmm. I don't really... Did you guys know him from anything? Apparently he was in Twilight. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Or will, will be in Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, Brian, he reminds me of the jock from Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. <laughs> like, he's that. You know, like, that's the staple sort of token character that they're building off of. They take him a degree further in this movie, but... 
Yeah. yeah, and you know, he was featured a lot in like the promotion cuz this is, has a very iconic like poster and like DVD cover of them just like kind of over a white background having fun. And he mm-hmm. looked like so much more of a fun character on like the cover, but he's actually a big dick. He almost <laughs> has like a Tom Cruise vibe to him a little bit, I think. Yeah, I could see that. You know? yeah, if Tom Cruise may- was still maybe doing they were like grooming roles. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Seth Green as we mentioned, I don't think he needs much of an introduction. The wily man. So the nerdy kid it's not, a kid from uh, it's a uh, it's Run Home Jack uh, from Hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say <laughs> he hasn't Hook. done too many things, but yeah, he he's the kid from Hook, and he was actually at MIT when they like recruited him to be in this film. Oh. In fact, between Hook and this, there was no other films. He he did this from Hook. Like he he quit huh. acting, and they pulled him out of MIT because he was not the original person cast as this nerdy kid. The original person was I can't remember the actor's name. I looked it up before, but he was the like monkey boy in Jumanji. Oh, okay, the son. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Not the son, but the yeah. They, boy had, they, had, to, they had to rip the jeans because his tail hurt. <laughs> yeah, and apparently the one that she cheated, right? Yeah. Yeah, and apparently he sucked, and they had to fire him, like, after filming. Like, he just he probably not... tried to cheat at that, too. Oh, man. <laughs> Which I always There's feel bad Eric about. Eric Stoltz Back to the Future situation, where like, we <laughs> shoot all those McFly parts. I can't wait to get to Back to the Future so we could talk about that. Or uh, start a share podcast and talk about Mask. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's see. Who uh-huh. else can we, can we talk about this film? Uh, Chris Owen plays the Klepto Kid, and you might not know his name, but he's very mm-hmm. famous for the American Pie series as the, the Shermanator. Sherm- yeah, the Shermanator. I am the Shermanator. A sophisticated sex robot sent back through time to change the future for one lucky lady. Chuck Sherman. But was he was he around before that at all? He looks maybe. All right, never mind. we don't have to dig deep or anything. Yep. <laughs> to the Chris Owen IMDb. I don't know, but there's another kid out there. Like the best friend in Angus looks a lot like him. I always thought it was maybe his brother. Oh yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, for the longest time, I also thought he was Scott Farkas from the Christmas Story. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's just, I, I, I guess I'm just stereotyping like redheads. That's a good one. They just kind of all. <laughs> look the same <laughs> so dan you mentioned jamie presley before she's just like one of the you know one of the jocks girlfriends yeah, i think that's what she's like credited as just like jock girlfriend girlfriend one <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, man. but we get a the debut film role of jason siegel he's the watermelon dude the watermelon oh, yeah, guy we get a scooby-doo impression too Scooby. <laughs> and his role change from the script in this is one of the biggest criticisms of this movie and you know i don't know if you guys will agree with this okay. but they really had to sanitize this film to make it PG-13. Believe it or not, if you were to watch it again, there's not that much drinking. Like, you have that key beer scene, but a lot of drinking scenes were cut out. Okay. In post, I read that like someone instead of doing the doing a tequila shot, they just sucked on a lemon, like stuff like that. Oh yeah. Well, there's a part where I didn't catch early the first time I saw this where she throws the brownie and she spits it out because it's a pop brownie. But they never say it's a no or anything. No. And then there's no. another time where they're clearly holding up something made into a bong that I caught this time around, and they had just finished smoking weed, but that clearly was trimmed down, too, so... Yeah. yeah it's it's funny, I, I made the exact same comment watching it with Autumn, and uh, when the girl throws a brownie, I'm like, that's something I never understood as a kid. I'm like, it looks like a perfectly good brownie. Why is she throwing it? <laughs> and, and then, like, oh, that guy's weird. He's just licking it up. It's like, no, because she just threw away... Like, that totally blew past me. <laughs> yeah, glad no. I'm glad I wasn't the only one. <laughs> and apparently, there's a rumor that 
Jason Siegel's part was supposed to be bigger, and he was supposed to perform sexual things to the watermelon. <laughs> like that. Oh, like American Pie? Yeah, and this this predates American Pie, so huh. so that might have ruined American Pie. Who knows? Jason Siegel having sex with a watermelon in this film. But the studio was determined to release if it. If you ever get the chance to interview him, are you going to ask him if that's one of his biggest regrets? Oh, absolutely. Like a watermelon on camera? <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe he did, like, and they just have, like, some footage somewhere of it. <laughs> is, there, is there warehouse footage? Yes, <laughs> cut. <laughs> yeah, so that's, um, and as we talk about it, we can uh, draw back to this or not, but that's definitely one of the criticisms of this film, that it wasn't, didn't accurately depict high school, didn't cross the line enough because they had to keep that PG-13 thing. It was pretty sanitized. Yeah, it's a little sanitized and glorified, and it's fantasized, really, is what it... Like, there's never this many people at a... Even if it's a graduation party, I don't care. And I thought that was a very smart choice, that it's not just any old party during the year, you know? Yeah. Because, like, a graduation party, you really have a chance to, like, show a whole bunch of different parts of the party going on. Like, there's a lot of places for a lot of characters to be and intersect and interact and stuff to do so that was a very clever move on its part no i I definitely agree with that oh one more thing i wrote down for like the scrubbed out drug references you see at some point that like a kid walks in with all the whipped cream like the aerosol whipped cream like whippets yeah yeah oh yeah yeah it doesn't click that they're all doing whippets yeah yeah. and that's like not addressed at all (laughs) no he's just called whipped cream guy in the credits oh really (laughs) i think i was look because i was looking him up I was like, who, who is that guy? That's really funny. The only other person I wrote down was uh, Selma Blair is credited as Girl Mike Hits On. I didn't really remember seeing her. And then there are a bunch of uncredited performances. Dude, Jerry O'Connell with one of the best character names ever. <laughs> yeah. For, like in a high school movie, Trip McNeely. Trip <laughs> yeah, McNeely. Trip McNeely. The Repeats best his name. own name. It's so funny. <laughs> Jerry O'Connell, yeah. And it's funny, we did a film that's around the same era called The New Guy, and he also like randomly is in it uncredited. So I don't know if he just liked huh. to pop on set or something. Who I don't knows? know. He was off filming <laughs> Sliders still, one of my favorite shows. Uh, who else? Oh, uh, of course, how can I forget? Jenna Elfman plays the angel, or the yeah. angel stripper. Is that, is that Dharma? Dharma, and I used to have, mm-hmm. in middle school, I had a big crush on Jenna Elfman. This She's was like, cool as hell, yeah. Like before Julia Stiles for me was Jenna Elfman. <laughs> I thought she was really hot They have similar Dharma. features. Like, yeah, you could, you could see I had, a, I had a type at that time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Dan, you mentioned Melissa Joan Hart, Clarissa. Clarissa. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch of that era as the yearbook girl. Who, uh, what's his face? Uh, Mike Dexter just casually, like, decks in the face when he walks <laughs> in the party. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's hilarious. No, abuse against women. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Brian, did you do that movie she was in with Adrian Grenier? Not or, yet. Or whatever. Uh, okay. dri- drive Me Crazy. That's definitely yeah. on the list. Okay, cool. She's good in it. As you can tell, guys, I'm going to be doing this show for, for years. Ever. Unless I go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So you get left back a couple of years so you can keep going more than four. <laughs> because every week I'm like, oh, I forgot to write down this one. You know, oh, this one came to mind. But let's get into some of the scenes in this film. First of all, I gotta I... wait for Brian to do his never been kissed when he tries to go back to actual high school <laughs> to get their view. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cameron Crowe style. Like, you know, I can't do that, but. 
<laughs> I, I as a teacher. That. True, true. I can go back as a teacher. I mean, you can just get a job as a teacher in a high school, like as part for your like you know to earn, like the not to be not to be a secret, <laughs> not to be a secret journalist or anything. <laughs> Fair. I don't think I would. Pass He's just telling job. you to get a job, <laughs> Brian. Like, this is my subtle way. I don't think it's working out. You need a job. Advice noted. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into this film. I just want to say I do actually really enjoy how this film opens, where we don't really see faces and it's graduation and we're hearing like the rumors and voices for things and and how the buzz kind of actually spreads in high school especially at the time this predates text messages as you mentioned i imagine today a lot of this buzz happens via like text or instagram messages who knows but Twitter, yeah. you know stuff Snapchat. like that but at the time it was just like chatting with each other and you know passing notes and spreading spreading things through yeah. the you know through yeah, word of mouth actually talking face to face it's crazy <laughs> It actually went down. Now, right off the bat, my graduation, uh, we didn't have the hat and the gown, the cap and gown. We had to get dressed up in white tuxedos. What? Um, what? Yeah, well, we, there were more like white dinner jackets, black bow ties, and then black pants with black shoes. And all the girls had to wear white dresses. And it was like 108 degrees. <laughs> sounds like a Mormon wedding or yeah. something. Mike, it what was year, terrible. What year did you graduate that cult again? 1997. <laughs> 1821. <laughs> you know, and yeah, why, why didn't you? The, passed through the door. What's that now? Why didn't you drink the Kool-Aid at the end? <laughs> oh, because wow. I was able to face into the void and realize it was no big deal. Well, most of the other people lost their minds. <laughs> wow, I can't believe that. No, Dan, you yeah, and I I've definitely got had photos. I should send you a picture of me at graduation. The hair was high, too. The pompadour was necessarily <laughs> dumb. But... <laughs> Were you currently being possessed by the either a 19... 19- uh, 50s car or the spirit of a woman who died in the 1950s? Is that why you had a pompadour? <laughs> it was definitely something about the spirit of the 50s haunting me <laughs> in my senior year, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, what, did you guys enjoy this first scene? Or, you know, I, or how, what do you think of, like, how they're introducing characters with, like, the yearbook kind of stats and stuff? I mean, at the time, it was it was clever. I feel like it's been done since i guess i can't even think well they just did it recently in creed uh brian remember that like um someone would walk into a gym and they freeze frame and their stats would splash across the screen Mm -hmm. i mean it's like the token like suicide squad thing too like that they went overboard with but i I love this kind of stuff yeah i actually really like it too and and look in creed does it make sense maybe in suicide squad i guess because it's like based on a comic but like this makes total sense to me because it's graduation and it's a year yearbook and we get a yearbook girl later so i actually really like this introduction is it innovative maybe not but whatever i think it fits what they're trying to do here pretty well it's a fun visual gag did you guys have yearbook quotes oh yeah i think so no did we actually i don't think so (laughs) i i I think i think you had the option i don't know mine was uh adventure excitement a Jedi craves not these things. <laughs> Master Yoda. <laughs> I know in middle Perfect. school we had them, and I remember putting some really, really dumb stuff. I can't remember what I put, though, and I can't find my middle school yearbook. In high school, I'm not sure if we had it. I don't think we did. I'm, I'm going to my I know they didn't right have us do, like, the it. superlatives or whatever. They, You know, it was, even then, in 97, it was like, oh... It's things are political correctness is new. No superlatives this year. We don't want oh, to be wow. making fun of anybody, and we don't want to exclude people. And like, they're like whatever. All right. So I, I have our yearbook, 
I have our yearbook, Dan. Let's see if there was quotes. I don't uh, think Nope, it's just pictures. You want to know my favorite thing about our yearbook? Sure. It's that Natalie Young got put on her own page because so they couldn't plan ahead enough and they just stuck her in one corner of a random page. Yeah, because she, <laughs> she was the last one in the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> and they just stuck. It's like, here's one page and lost in a menagerie of like all these other pictures. Now, I have the yearbook out. I might as well see, Dan, what you wrote me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing I this Did you get all 500 and some odd students to sign I it did me. not, and I wouldn't have won it anyway. Okay. Still bitter? <laughs> 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 okay, I found it right away almost. I have no idea what I wrote. <clears throat> this is from you, Dan. So, Brian, I still have the Spanish video, but I don't understand what we say anymore. I remember the time we went to see that satanic cult and Kyle screamed. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> Were they wearing white it, you know dinner what, do jackets? You know, do, you know, do you know what that satanic cult thing is? What it's was fucking it? mulch dump for Alpine New Jersey. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> like off of yeah. 9W there. It's and like, Kyle got scared. That's Kyle. Kyle got scared. Yeah. That's Kyle of Foodie Films, guys, so just FYI. And I am still Kyle Reinfried. And our, my other show, P.S. I Love Hoffman. And he said, I hope we stay friends. And we did, because we're talking right now. See? Nice See? message. Nice message. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then the Spanish video, that was fun, too. We don't have to get into it today. Does Let's... that count as a high school movie? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's continue our discussion on Can't Hardly Wait. So, you know, the movie kind of, I don't want to say kicks into gear, but it really brings itself to, like, what we're going to be about when Denise and, what's his name in this? Preston. Spence? Preston. I was going to call him Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> Preston and Denise are talking about, like, I guess going to this party, and he starts to bring up how he fell in love with um, Amanda, I think her name is, right? I feel like... Yes. I just know them by their actor names, honestly. No, it's just... Uh, I have such a problem with Preston from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying how, um, well, one, she came freshman year as a new student a month into the school year, which I found interesting, but whatever. I'm not going to overthink it. And because he didn't take the bus that day, he thinks it's fate because they saw each other outside, and they both happen to be, like, bring a Pop-Tart as a snack. Strawberry uh -huh. Pop-Tarts. Yeah, and there's all this other kind of silly stuff. There's all it's... this coincidence and fate and destiny, and he's just... But he never talks to her. Never <laughs> talks to her. <laughs> well, she's he's been... High. He spends four years just staring like a weirdo. <laughs> well, she's been dating, you know, Super Jock, and he's intimidating, and Preston's kind of, you know... This nervous fellow who seems like, to avoid conflict his entire I, I, life. I feel like, I feel like movies he's very like this sort of Simon Peggish. <laughs> I feel like movies like this just warped an entire generation of young men thinking like I don't actually have to do anything as long as like I think I'm the good guy. <laughs> I just have to write a really sweet letter and I don't have to do anything ever. And the second she reads that letter, she's mm -hmm owed me a relationship <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> yeah no and I th it's weird it's like i think they try and do like a contrast between him and kenny's character which we'll get into later who i feel actually you know learned a lesson and has a bit of like you know an more of an arc i'd say than preston who yeah absolutely know, Absolutely. I'm, I think they handle that situation a lot better, that character's issues. Yeah, he everything. comes to a realization and grows. Preston does his whole whiny, moody thing through the whole like movie, <laughs> and then boy. it just works out for him. Yeah. 
I, I 100% agree with you guys. Through nothing he did. He threw the letter away. And just like... That's right, he gave up. magic. He, did no, he had no <laughs> effort. He wrote a letter four years ago and then just sat there and cried to himself. That's why in this watch, um, you know, the whole Seth Green, Denise thing was... I was so much more about that this time yeah, than I was the Preston storyline. that was such a better line. story. That's such why I was story. wondering, who is there even a main character here? Like, I used to think it was Preston, but he's absent for a lot of this movie that I didn't realize. Like, he even leaves the party and, like, takes himself out of the equation for, for a lot of stuff. He should have hooked up with Dharma. <laughs> wow, that'd have been interesting. They yeah. had a very... They had a, that was probably the most intimate talk he had with anybody that wasn't Denise throughout his whole high school career. And yeah. she was... a angel stripper <sighs> she does convince him to like go back and try again and he does and he like blurts it out and it goes wrong and everything but like i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah no the one thing i'll have to say though is and i'm not saying it's right and i 100 percent agree with everything you guys are saying and it's probably because of movies like this but when i was like a kid i would think of these coincidences and call it fate you know yeah, you would you tribute meaning where there is none <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. you know, we shouldn't have a locker next to each other, but we do, you know? It's weird, like, her brother and my brother are the same age, you know? Like, it's, it's weird stuff that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's called being delusional, right? Like, that's... <laughs> Self-delusion, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I understand, like, you know, it's kind of common as a teenager before, you know, we're going through puberty, we're all confused, we might be yeah, reading makes... signals wrong, and things that's are getting like... mixed. And that's where you're right, where, like, Kenny kind of learns from his delusion. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, where, where Preston, we're just assuming, because it's worked out for him, he's going to continue that way through college. Yeah. Until, you know, reality hits him. Uh, he's going to be <laughs> living on a cloud the rest of his life. Yeah. Preston <laughs> might be the worst. <laughs> um, the other subplot. Problematic Preston. No. Problematic <laughs> Preston. <laughs> the other subplot, I mean, there's a couple of them, but one of the, the other main subplots is the nerdy kid, the kid from Hook, who, you William. know, I, I guess he is, we assume, well, he says he's been bullied and he's he's going to get the jocks back this year. So I thought this was really interesting because I feel like it'd be hard to pull something like this off nowadays with all that's been going on with, like, high school violence and stuff. Oh, my because... God, it'd be a felony. <laughs> you drug somebody? <laughs> well, it's like, that. yeah, but, like, the thing is, like, you know, th- this is – the kind of kid in a serious movie that would like come in armed, right? And like go into the school, you know, it would be, we'd have to talk about Kevin. Like that's Oof. kind of where this character, <laughs> <You're not wrong. laughs> that's the darker side. But I was saying like, even just dealing with high school bully and revenge and all that kind of thing. I thought it was very interesting how, how it all sort of played out in this movie. My big question with him and his two cronies that he was like planning it out for at the end of the movie you know, they're going off to college. His two buddies get abducted by aliens. <laughs> yeah. And that's cool. But, like, I want to know what happens. Like, did anybody, like, report them missing? Like, what is he doing? Like, it's still the summer. Like, Preston's only leaving for college immediately because he has a Kurt Vonnegut workshop. You know? <laughs> so this guy's going to go back and call his friends. And be like, hey, you want to hang out? And we're not here. You know, like, no, like where'd, where'd they go? They were just oh, I, I, William's <laughs> got a long line of new admirers that are going to be hanging out with him all summer long. I think those two kids that got abducted. So he's, so he's going to bail on his original. He's yep. not even going to try and call his original. Friend. So he's a freaking poser, man. <laughs> well, they may they may be dropped back off a couple of days later, you know, naked, covered in gin or booze or whatever. And no one believes <laughs> Homer Simpson style. Because I think the gag was like the whole movie. They're the big X-File fans. So yeah. Like, 
you know, they have the shirts that say the truth is out there, and I want to believe. Yeah, <laughs> like that's their dream is to get abducted, not to like be the hit at a party and get laid or anything. They really remind me of, and I said like we did Sixteen Candles recently, but like John Cusack and. I don't know, some other actor in 16 Candles play like oh, yeah. Anthony Michael Hall's friends, and they're very, very similar. Well, that's like when he, he has his little uh, chart about how much he can drink. He's like, don't worry, guys, I downloaded <laughs> this off the net. <laughs> like, you know, because it was like, the net, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that was the X-Files stuff and the, the internet, like the way they call it, the net. Another thing that was so of the time. Do I like that he's bullied? No. And let's, you know, skip ahead a little bit. Not to exactly what happens, but his whole plan is to, like, frame people for being gay. You know? Yeah, right. That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. So let, al- th- let alone that it's still, regardless whether it's a man-on-man or whatever, it's still sexual assault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so definitely not a good subplot here but i think yeah. we get we get distracted from it because of the way he is like at the party so much and it's more like this nerd being accepted for the first time rather than like what he's there to do i even almost forget about it a lot the guy in the other the other guy in the photographs you know, so, his own petard. Yeah, a little bit. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's not enough comeuppance, but I think they were trying to do something with that and saying, like, it was not a good plan to begin fair. with, That's you fair. know? Um, and, like, the filmmakers trying, if not to redeem the character, like, themselves maybe a little bit and saying, like, yes, we know this was maybe a little too far. Uh, homemade chloroform. <laughs> they, they, they did go to jail, technically, for one night. So yeah, that's supposed they went to be to like prison. Their, their repercussion. Fair, that is true. The bad guy got punished. <laughs> and another quick parallel to 16 Candles with those guys, um, you know, a problematic scene in 16 Candles is when the the girls passed out and Anthony Michael Hall's taking having his friends taking photos of him with her. So while this isn't the same thing, it just I think they were definitely influenced by like that group of 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 two nerds, if you will. Yeah, there was still a whole sort of I feel like holdover from Revenge of the Nerds. Like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, very problematic parts of that movie going back, but I think Most the idea rape. <laughs> yes, the panty <laughs> raid, the rape. <laughs> So That's terrible. Uh, but I think just just whole idea of the nerd getting you know getting their revenge or whatever like it didn't have like a as dangerous or menacing a connotation as it does nowadays you know like that's another yeah. like it, there was more of a pranking quality to it it felt right like that's it was true. more of like a jackass kind of thing yeah no and, and that's fair it's hard to see um a lot of these films with the lens of today and i like it didn't ruin the film or like take me out of it it's just funny to talk about now we'll put it that way you know on the way to the party i just want to mention that preston finds another coincidence where they oh. they hear the song mandy Oh, did you look this up to see if it was actually named after the dog or not? Or that was anything? my big question. <laughs> did any of you guys look it up? I was going to ask you. I did so, not. I, I mean, assumed I, you were going to talk I about it. I thought you might <laughs> if it was actual trivia. Let's see. Mandy Dog. It wasn't in the trivia, which I was surprised. Let's look it up on air. So, did Barry Manilow seriously write Mandy about his dog? Um, let's see. Oh, it's one of these sites with a lot of pop-ups. Okay. <laughs> But while we're looking, let's just handle, let's just look at it this way. Preston was more willing to talk to, like, this is, he could talk to any, literally anybody else before he could talk to him. He was going to call and talk to Barry Manilow about liking Amanda versus just talking to Amanda. Yeah. Like, like how, like somehow Barry Manilow was going to tell him, no, nah, it's cool. 
you got my card. You know, it's like I put the okay on it. Just tell her that. And I'm, like, what I thought was really interesting too is that you know his best friend is Denise, like a woman, like you know, like yeah. she had and she had like all the answers to begin with. She's like, look, like basically from what I can remember, she's like. She's just another person. Like, just treat her like a person. Don't, like, try and put her on a pedestal. Don't do any of this stuff. Just be yourself. I don't know, man. Sounds kind of risky. I'm going to call Barry. (laughs) I know. It's like, listen to your best friend. And, like, you know, I feel like maybe she has a little more insight about this kind of thing because, like, she's a woman, too, you know, and, like, different perspective on teenage boys and all that. Like, you'll be okay, Preston. Just calm the fuck down, dude. (laughs) Like, Yeah. Uh, just a little side note on the relationship. I like how we see, like, a guy-girl friendship here, you know? And it didn't end with her being like, I actually really like you or something Yeah, like, like I that. was the one all along. Yeah, no, that's true. That's That so, was refreshing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I got the skinny on Mandy. Apparently this is something made up completely for the film, that Mandy was not even written by Barry Manilow. It was actually written by an English band called American Breed. And it was a song called Brandy. <laughs> so it's originally called Brandy. And when Manilow decided to do it, he decided to change it to Mandy. Um, so it's probably not about his dog. <laughs> I'm guessing. No okay. Unless he named a dog Mandy, like, after the fact. <laughs> True. It's a de facto song about a dog. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But the, uh, better, the better song moment in this movie is definitely Paradise City. Yeah, I mean, oh, that yeah. is insane. <laughs> that's I think that's the one scene like everybody remembers. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel bad I think... for like the uh, the Jumanji guy who was fired for not being able to do this and get a memorable scene there and not be the monkey boy anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it worked out fine for him. <laughs> I heard he's still a monkey. <laughs> No, someone must have rolled five or eight by now. Maybe they'll bring the original caster back for the new Jumanji movie. Maybe. And, and really tie it all together. That's a high school movie. At least the first one was. The uh, first new Jumanji. Oh, so anyway, the other like subplot that I forgot to mention is that the jocks, starting with the main jock guy, again, forgetting his name, but... Mike. Mike. He, he decides he's going to break up with his girlfriend, um, who's Jennifer Love Hewitt, which, again... Preston sees as a sign, but and then he kind of is trying to convince all his buddies to break up with their girlfriends as well, so they could hang out over the summer. Selfish as hell. But I wasn't, to be honest with you, I wasn't that interested in this subplot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the, actually it's funny. The more we talk about this movie, the more I kind of think I, I, I don't care about. It. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, because like, no, 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 I don't mean to put it that way because I, I did enjoy the movie, but it's like when you break it down, it's like no, I, I kind of didn't care about that guy's story either. No, well, I <laughs> but I think the way it's made, like the fact that it's all one day and all the nostalgia helps because we don't have yeah. to devote like yeah. really long scenes to mm-hmm. things we don't care about. We're and moving it's, it's so not- fast. And it, exactly, and it's not like you're analyzing this movie. You're like taking it in for its art. You're just it is. It's nostalgia, and yeah, it's um like a scrapbook movie. You're flipping through. Remember that? Oh, remember that? Remember that? Like yeah. that was fun. <laughs> Almost like being at a party, right? You're hitting like little snippets of things. Yeah, that good point. You're in and out there. of different yeah. conversations. Yeah, I'm surprised so, this didn't come up when we were talking about it on Hanks for the Memories. But this is what this movie does really well. What Bachelor Party does pretty poorly. And in that it's able to take just like the idea of we're going to throw a party and crazy shit's going to happen here and actually 
this what this movie does is like craft character moments and growth and stuff like that throughout it like it's subtle it's quick yeah but it's actually there and it's sort of like the glue to a lot of it like the mike character he has a moment in this movie where he goes through like a realization that oh my god i'm an asshole and everything and you're like holy shit like you know this character is growing he's having an epiphany and then in the end it's like oh yeah no like i'm not i'm back to being like my old self again and stuff but like there are moments like other characters change and stuff and stay changed and things and like that just didn't never happened in bachelor party like people were just stereotypes from the beginning to the end and everything so i think that combined with the structure and the speed and the idea that it takes place over a couple hours helps it a lot like fills in the holes if you're having plot hole problems if you're having sort of just issues with certain characters actors or you know jokes aren't landing like we're we're moving on so quickly and so fast i think it's a good sort of uh trick that they're pulling with all that you know just to keep you moving and engaged yeah no i definitely no, agree with that yeah say so that's a way i didn't think about it very valid i mean you don't have to like these no, characters you're, no, you're, you're you know right. but like it's just this... i appreciate them actually fleshing them out a little bit yeah and like to what brian said how it is almost like floating through a party you're checking back up with people you know because you're not sticking around for one conversation all night so you're kind of checking back with people later and later on you're seeing how their night yeah. is unfolding and i mean like and... how many people like really do change permanently in one night you know like for how many you know so like i've even felt like that was realistic about the jocks turn at the end whereas like yeah like i didn't mean any of that or if i did like it's not gonna stick tonight um yeah, yeah. that was almost one of the more realistic <laughs> you're yeah, absolutely true yeah and now add the fact that there's alcohol involved you know? Yes. And I know yes. they couldn't hit on that too much, but there are so many people who, like, they're drunk, something bad happens to them, they say they're going to change, and then when they come to, eh, you know. <laughs> I was always good for that. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah, it's one of the few moments where Amanda, like, just comes out and is like, you're drunk, Mike, and it's like, oh, they actually said the D word in this movie. Um, <laughs> just to sort of hammer home the point, right? Is like, oh, it's it's some of it is the alcohol talking, probably, but like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whew, let's see. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to really, and I say this a lot, but it's really hard to go scene by scene in this film because it's not really a scene-ish film since mm. we're largely in the party most of the time. It's more just like sliding through vignettes here or there so i yeah. mean I, I think if we're gonna talk about it we should just talk more like a uh, storyline by storyline and right. we could brush over the ones we didn't care about so let's talk more about my favorite one which i said was denise and what is what is seth green's character kenny kenny <laughs> kenny of course denise and kenny and it kind of just starts really let's take it from kenny at the beginning we see him in that grocery store oh with, with his friends <laughs> <laughs> kind of brought me back to encino man a little bit not with the way they're acting but you know convenience store and he's just they're like white rapper folk kind of like J jamie kennedy malibu's most wanted really really trying to be something they're not and i i hadn't remembered this film and i thought wow i'm really gonna hate this guy because he's just like all he wants to do is get laid he's got a list of all the you know like 10 girls that he's gonna use cheesy lines with and the entire time he's because i didn't remember like the entire time he's gonna be just some punchline where he's just like 
saying rude things to girls and he doesn't get laid and it's just silly, you know? That's really how they're starting out with him, you know what I'm saying? Uh, plus, he's just ridiculously a joke with, like, his rapper language, which I think is purposely played, obviously, over the top. Well, that now you have one of the smallest guys, stature-wise, in, like, these giant, like, Jinko jeans and, like, <laughs> all the, like, big, like, the, the jacket's way too big and it's, yeah, it's, so he just looks that much smaller and that much more the big goggles now he kind of looks like a bug and (laughs) the the, the fila the fila like moon shoe things that she comments on like (laughs) just the the complete ridiculousness of it all just uh yeah it's crazy like he is sort of the caricature version of people who actually did exist though like this is also like pre-eminem is all i was thinking and like i'm I remember having like a lot of not being great at skating, but having a lot of skater friends, and you know none of them were like this or anything. So like this isn't just being a skater. You're right. This is like them co-oping like the whole hip hop thing uh, to the extreme. Like well, I even remember when I became a DJ. There's no way like I affected like an accent and you know <laughs> anything like you know. I'm just well, saying I think like it's that crazy. old that storyline gets comes to a head when his buddy oh, yeah. there thinks he has an N word pass. Oh God. right, exactly. Like, like that, level of, yeah. which, that, which that level, which is of funny, insane. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but Mike, I, while you weren't a hip hop, you know, you can be like, and I think appropriator. I think, like Denise makes a good point, though. Like you can be into these things, but just be yourself. Like you don't have to talk like that. Like I, you know, like I was just the same person you knew. You know what I'm saying? Just spinning records. No, but like. How about, I'll ask you this, how about when, you, you know, during your My Five Dads era, uh, Dan, side note, My Five Dads was the name of Mike's high school punk band. You can hear some of those unreleased singles on earlier episodes of High School Slumber Party. <laughs> but, uh, Mike, in your My Five Dads era, did you feel like you were appropriating punk? Obviously not at the time. I'm saying looking back, appropriating punk or, or like where you live in the lifestyle accurately? Like, how... Tell me, like, could you compare that at all to this? Or defend yourself, at least? (laughs) I mean, I think for me, it was more of uh, just a byproduct of the... I don't know exactly. That's a good question, you know? I never really thought about it. I just felt like this was the way I felt, the music I was interested in. But I still... Again, like, I don't know. I never... There's no punk way to talk if there you know what i'm saying like you can't really well you could be like a british like sex pistol i guess i don't know <laughs> that never occurred to me though I ne- okay so there you go no i never walked around with a fake british accent i like i didn't do this and say no i'm a punk mom like this is how i talk i and say like, oi, fuck oi, you oi, not and they- i can't even do it like, yeah <laughs> like if that's what you're getting at then no like <laughs> I think yeah. this is again another level of delusion, right? Like that's sort of where where Kenny's living. Yeah, like he could totally be into the fashion and the music, but it's I think it's the way he talks. <laughs> but is that is that like the comment the the filmmaker's trying to make here? It's like you know high school's about finding yourself a little bit. You know, you're trying mm-hmm. to see where you fit in, mm-hmm. where you and it's like, like to the extreme. We all have our uh, blunders fashion moments or whatever it may be that we wish we'd like, I can't believe I freaking dress like that or whatever. And you know, it's, it's sometimes you need that hard dose of reality. It's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm this, I gotta like, and that's where like Kenny's story is more interesting because he's going to take what she said to heart, you know, at least yeah, in the moment 
and then uh, at some point he'll, you know, we're assuming that he changes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess, I, but I'd hope so. Um, and then Denise, of course, I was a little afraid she was just gonna be um, like Preston's best friend and not have a storyline, like because I didn't remember, like I said, and she, but she reminds me of that typical like angsty '90s girl. Like she wasn't t- like put to the t- nth degree on it, but she's kind of like a Daria, you know except with a friend like she doesn't want to be a part of any social scene she's just she would be super happy staying at home that night it's just that her best friend essentially begs her to go to the party and when he leaves her alone and i think we've all been come there. to this party and watch me not talk to this girl yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be super fun and then i'm gonna leave you immediately <laughs> <laughs> and i think we've all been there right like we were we've gone to a party with a friend i've watched you not talk to plenty of girls <laughs> 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 But we go to a to party. be fair, we were all there, <laughs> not talking to girls. <laughs> fair, fair. But uh, you know, when we've been to a party with a friend, and then they just like kind of leave us, yeah. you know, and you're just like sitting when you there, get ditched, <laughs> and you don't know anyone. You even have like the one girl that goes up to her, and you think they're gonna like talk to be friends. It's like, oh, see, she does go to the school. Um, it reminded me of a good moment in another great high school film, you know, from much later, Edge of Seventeen. The similar thing, kind of kind of happens there and it's just it's a trope but it's a trope i love and i really did not remember this and i wasn't expecting that they would both wind up in this upstairs bathroom uh but before that we get kenny like he he gets rejected a couple times and then there's the one girl who just like any guy who comes up to me i would have sex with just to piss off my boyfriend you know, and, and he's got this love chest, and I guess he's looking for a bathroom to, what, apply, like, the colognes to himself? Like, or does Well, he... he was, like, studying the Kama Sutra, and then he was, like, you mean, he's like, should I strap up now? Or it's like, no, that's crazy. It's like, basically, should he, should he put the condom on before he even, like... <laughs> so he would basically put it on, pull his pants back up, go to the pool house with the girl, and then already be... Wearing Because he has that conversation with himself. He's like... And then he's like, should I double bag it? No, I don't know where it's going to clearly means they are not getting proper sex ed because that's going to cause friction and they're both going to split. So He's overprepared. Very true. Welcome AIDS or baby. So. <laughs> oh, man. And then, you know, it's really funny because, like, I think, again, we've all been to parties and there is that upstairs bathroom that you're not allowed to use. And the fancy room. And that always happens, too. It's like, okay, just you can use it. And then once, once that... Once that you know, Pandora doesn't go back in the box then. It's... No. <laughs> so they get stuck in this bathroom, and then they have, you know, a series of great scenes where it's almost shockingly to me revealed that they actually do have a lot of history. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> the rest of <laughs> You love the new kids. Oh, the acid wash jeans. <laughs> yeah, the built-in rips. You, had the, you were a fashion victim from the womb. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've gotten better since then. Yeah, if you need to fit a family of five in your pants. Shut up, these are cool. All right, but the goggles. Everybody's wearing these. All right. Okay. Okay, my turn. What? The shoes. What is wrong with my shoes? Those shoes! What? What? Do they serve an orthopedic function? No. Fine. What about your shoes? What's wrong with my shoes? Well, is there a mission to the moon later? <laughs> yeah. Your feet smell. <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> yeah. And he blew her off in an effort just to try to be cool. And 
I think the acting is actually really good in these scenes because it seems like it really hurt her, you know? And he's affected well, by clearly, it. like, look what he turned into without her, right? Like, his attempt to go solo and, like, become cool in what he thought was cool, like, just is a disaster. Like, he's a walking catastrophe now. But, like, even the way she says, like, oh, you know, you wrote Denise as a tampon in my locker. He's trying to, you know, because there, there is that, like, to be cool, you're going to pick on somebody less than your, you know, cast or, or you know, yeah. your, uh, your level there. Yeah. And he's like, okay, who's somebody I can pick on, but won't retaliate or I can like still be cool with, you know, it's like, I can pick on her and she, she won't do anything. You know, mm. it was a safe move for him. So he used her as just a rung in the ladder as far as like, that's how she feels. I think. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And they end up, they end up kind of, you know, I don't want to say falling in love. That's a little much, but. No, but they like they have it out with each other, right? Like they air all their grievances over the last like four or five years that they haven't been friends and like reconnect. Yeah, you're airing a ton of weight in a very tense space, both both like emotionally and physically, and you're dealing with drunk or drinking teenage hormones. <laughs> yeah, and you know, they end up having sex. It's the first time I believe for the both of them, though she says she's had it before, but I think she's lying, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I thought it was her and Preston. That's what yeah, I got then, out of it. And then, oh, maybe. Oh, that, I didn't even think about that. That's huh. a great point. That's interesting. There's just one guy, and she didn't drop the name. You're right. Oh, ooh, I'm liking the layers we're finding. I can't hardly wait. <laughs> well, then, the second he, they finish, which is kind of a bitch move on her part. Like, you knew he was the first time and all that, but she so goes, you know, ne- next time it could be longer. <laughs> yeah, but like, I think she on. was trying to just... comfort him. I don't. I don't think she like had the right words, but I think she was trying to tell him like, yeah, y- you know, it, 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 I know it wasn't that great, but it could be it better. Just, Poor choice of words. Seemed, but... Yeah, it just seemed like just you didn't need to say anything. No about fair. It. <laughs> I mean, there's but... the implication of next time though when she says that, you know. So right. like, I, I that's think, true. I think there was positives there too, and I, I thought that was a very realistic approach to it. It's it's something we do see yeah, in some films, but. They don't make too much of a joke of it. I think it's like, you know. Well, that's the thing. It kind of wasn't a joke. No. He took it. He didn't take it as a joke, clearly. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and honestly, like, we'll get to, like, how the party ends and stuff uh, once we finish kind of these story the arcs. The cops. The cops. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I really, really, you know, enjoyed their storyline and, like, the how they found each other and, like, the growth of these these characters a little bit, like the most yeah, you can grow in a night. They are by far the most interesting storyline as far as character arc and all of that. Which I really, really did not expect. Anything else on uh, these two kids before we move on to another arc? Uh, I hope they make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Somebody Google them. Right? <laughs> and, and we'll talk about like what it says about them in the end and stuff a little can't later. Can't hardly wait to, still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess we can talk about um, William, the nerdy kid. It's, it's not really much, you know. He Like we said, he just kind of gets drunk throughout because he's he's trying to like set up the circumstances for this chloroform. Well, uh, well it turns assault. out that like alcohol turns nerds into cool people apparently. Like <laughs> Well, I think he was it just finally loosened him up enough to not be so yeah. nervous and stuck up around people. Like, you know, it's, it's like yeah, there was bad consequences to drinking, but for one night he was having a lot of fun. 
Yeah, he seemed yeah. like a guy that like just started discovering more things about himself without realizing it. It's like, oh, because I studied like my ass off my entire life, now that I've gone to a party, like I kick ass. Like it turns out I'm good at like all this other shit too. It almost gives me like a precursor, Brian, to um Booksmart, if you've seen the trailer for that or anything, it's sort of it's about these girls who've yeah. been doing nothing but studying their entire lives, and then they decide to unleash like at the end of the year at a big party and stuff. And I feel like this is that this guy is sort of like that kind of representation where it's like, oh, it's like uh, being being studious and smart is paying off like in my social life now. Like I've got the confidence to to like Blair Guns N' Roses because I tutored this kid who played it all the time. Like, <laughs> that was great. Which I'm assuming was the kid that initially played it. Because she's like this dumb kid. Oh, that's funny. And yeah. it's this dude like, Yo, and I got the music covered and everybody hates him. <laughs> it's because like, there's always that guy at the party that's going to force you to listen to his oh, music. Happens like, all the time. <laughs> that's a good call. I like that. You know what it reminded me of? like college in a sense because there are a lot of people who in high school hmm. maybe didn't fit in but then they go to college and they kind of refi- yeah, refine themselves to... yeah. and this was almost like his pre-college moment he's going to shave his head and join a fraternity and I am still Kyle Reinfried <laughs> 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 oh, and then of course it's it's a scene you guys talked about though, like, a scene you're alluding to. Like, did, so you really enjoyed the Guns N' Roses thing? Because I want to ask. Because a lot of times in these films, it could be a little corny when a character sings. But you guys dug it, dug it, I should say. Yeah, I did, and it, like at the time too, I totally forgot about his whole plan and everything. So I was with this character, like becoming, coming out of his shell, and like realizing that, like, oh, like I. I'm cool, like, I'm attractive, I'm popular, like, people like me, like, I can get into this. Um, so that was, like, his main, that was, like, his huge coming out moment, you know? Like, after that, like, he had made a name for himself at this party, and everyone, everyone wanted to be with him. So I thought that was funny. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why the whole like subplot of him chloroforming people or his friends or whatever, it didn't really matter. You say to me it like that, point. it makes him sound like a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it didn't matter to me. Just at this wanted point. to chloroform a few people. <laughs> <laughs> like, if the, the character's plot was that he was a nerd and this was his last chance to like get accepted at a party, nothing changes in the story for me. Yeah, because he didn't go into it thinking like this is my time to be cool. It wasn't one yeah. of those movies. It wasn't about that. No. Yeah, I just like literally fell into it. It's like, oh, I guess. Yeah, it's like collateral damage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is there even anything to talk about in terms of like the jock guys breaking up with their girlfriends? Was there anything like you wanted to mention? To me, it wasn't huge or that important, and I really didn't care much about it. Well, I think they were, I think what they were trying to go for is that like, um, sort of that Greece-ish kind of like T-bird mentality where you have like the leader and then like, 
you know, sort of like the Three Stooges that follow him or something like that. And I just feel like that stuff wasn't funny enough. Like, it wasn't paying off. Like, I don't think it was any fault of the actors. Like, I think the bits were actually kind of funny where it was like, did you break up with your girlfriends? Yeah, and it's like, well, their parents are away for the weekend, so they invited us up to the lake house. We'll do it after that. Did you break up with your girlfriends? Oh, well, we got invited to Pearl Jam. We'll break (laughs) up with them after that. When's Pearl Jam? Uh, September. It's like, you guys are never going to break up with your girlfriends. And it's like, you know, I wish there was more than one joke going on between all them. But um, yeah, so looking back, maybe it was one of the more weaker links. Yeah, I just didn't care as much. Like, I, I got it. I got the joke. And, and it was funny to me. It wasn't that it was unfunny. It just, I didn't care. You know? <laughs> I don't know another way around it. Um, so I guess that leaves us really, besides Yearbook Girl and stuff like that, that leaves us with Preston and Amanda's storyline. But as I, I think it was you who mentioned it, Dan, or it might have been you, Mike. Um, we don't, we, you know, we get a lot of moments without Preston in this, so it's not like it's something that's run throughout, but of course, he's there to talk to uh, Amanda and give her this letter, which he debates of, like, whether he should do... Wait, how does he wind up with Jenna Elfman? Now, I can't even remember. When he leaves the party, he... Why does he the... leave the party? Um, well, cause oh, because she... he sees Amanda he... making out with her cousin. Oh, yeah, forgot about that. How weird is that? I know they're like second cousins. The weirdest. Marriage. They're second cousins through marriage. Still, still. Are you going to tell my mom? <laughs> <laughs> I did like that line. You knew he was like a scummy guy because he's like, tell me about all your problems, you know? Oh, yeah, he felt like a creeper for sure. <laughs> the, 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 the silver satin shirt didn't do him any uh, <laughs> No favors. favors, nope. No, it most certainly did not. Because especially if he was in high school at the time, he'd be like, yo, uh, you watch Saturday Night Live? Those uh, Night of the Roxbury guys, they get a lot, they get later out, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wear what they wear. They, it'll work. <laughs> Ugh, what a sleaze. But yeah. What so, is love? So that's why he kind of runs away to call to call Barry Manilow. Yeah. Um, and stripper Jenna Elfman becomes like his voice of reason. Fairy with, godmother. Yeah, fairy godmother. <laughs> um, you know, I, like, again, again, I like Jenna Elfman. I kind of liked um, obviously, I liked what she was saying, and I liked these scenes. I mean, I like her this Scott Bayo story. Hey, this Scott Bayo. Scott Bayo. I said I was 16. I mean, this went back to the happy days years, you know, not to mention Joni loves Chachi. God, I hated her. Joni. See, I always knew that somehow I'd meet him. You know, like if I wanted it bad enough, I could make it happen. And it did. Right after his first season of Charles in Charge, he was doing this mall tour, and he came here to our mall. It was like everything was finally falling into place, you know, like it was, um... Fate. Yeah. So I went, you know, I had this red bandana, because you know how Chachi always wore that red bandana. And I waited there outside. I was the first person when he pulled up. He got out of that car. <laughs> it was so beautiful. And he looked right at me. And I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I couldn't say anything. I couldn't even move. I never even talked to him, and he was right there. I still have that red bandana. But the thing is, never know, you know, like, had I at least maybe said something, you never know. 
But anyway, the point is, I totally realize, you know, fate. There is fate, but it only takes you so far because once you're there, it's up to you to make it happen. You are so definitely right. I know. So look, don't you make the same mistake I did, okay? Because if you really want to be with him, then you get back on that phone and you call Barry Manilow and you tell him how you feel. No. Oh, no, I didn't want him. I was... It's okay. I don't think it's weird. I mean, come on. Scott Baio. We all have our things. Loved the Scott Baio story. <laughs> you know, and it, it, this is where he gets his epiphany. I mean, anything else you want to add about this particular scene before we... Yeah, I love that she's not free, because she thinks he's calling Barry Manilow to confess his love for Barry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she doesn't. She's like, no. Nah, just like, she doesn't think it's weird that he's calling another. She's like, she just thinks it's weird that it's Barry. She's like, don't worry about it, man. I had my Scott Bayo thing. I don't think it's weird. <laughs> yeah. You know, so she's, she's just a very accepting lady. <laughs> you and never know, cool. kid. She's a very positive lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that part too. You know, I really, you know, I, I liked her. I liked her more than I liked him. You know, I, I know we mentioned that he kind of threw out the note. Jennifer Love Hewitt finds the note reads it and is suddenly looking everywhere for him. Well, no, because you're, you're missing the part where after the whole Mike Dexter thing, he catches up with her and finally gets the balls to say it and he says, Amanda, wait. Oh, I love yeah. And she, goes, and she goes off on him. She's like, why? Because you saw me once freshman year and you've been pining over one moment for four years like some weirdo? And that's exactly what should have happened. And that's where the movie probably ended <laughs> in real life. Yeah, and do you think when she showed back up at the train station, he would have been like, you told me off at the party and now you want me to think you're a decent person after just jumping on me without letting me finish But she's my... right. He knows nothing about her. She's absolutely right. I was so like, confused, like, though. It's like, oh, there's somebody deeper that nobody else sees. How would you know? <laughs> like, either that or you're following her and not saying anything, which is even weirder. But guys, like, I was so confused. So tell me, figure this out. Does she know who he is or does she not know who he is? Not at is? that moment. She has no idea So she who just he guesses is. that that's kind of the So, truth. no. So she reads the letter, then Preston, like, confesses, and she's like, who are you? Get out of my face. Like, I, you know. Yeah, so he spent, he spent four years in the same school as this person. Yeah. And she didn't even know who he was. Didn't even know his first name. To, he, he's expecting her to just be like, I love you now? Like, that's. That's really freaking nuts. <laughs> so how it's did- too bad he didn't just say, my name is Preston, I have something to tell you. And she would have been like, oh, Preston, did you write this letter? And he would have been like, oh my God, this is the moment. Oh, I, I see. I see. But she didn't know he was Preston, or she did? No, she no. She didn't because know then, who Preston was. Yeah, on her way okay, out, so she gets confused. handed a yearbook, and she flips through the yearbook and sees this picture, and she's like, I've made a huge mistake. Gotcha. And it's like, have you, though? Yeah, that's why That's why I was confused. I'm like, what changed? You know? <laughs> just because you know what he looks like? The guy I just told off that, like, is the guy I now want to be with. Who, uh, the reason I told him off was actually she told him accurate. off for every good reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, just because he's like saying it in a less threatening way or maybe coming across less quote unquote extreme or dangerous or whatever, like it's still the same content, right? Like it's still just like it's what everyone else is saying to her at that moment. It's like just it's, as bad it's as just the guy all who's like bullshit. Yeah, it's just as it's, bad as the guy who just like goes, You're hot, like be with me. You're, and saying, walks you're, away. you're saying that in, in, in 
flat, more flowery language. Right, because you're the writer. Because <laughs> that, that's all that it means. Though. Like, I know nothing about you. You know nothing about me. We've never had a conversation. I'm just using the. I'm using these words instead of the beer to try and get laid. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what it comes down to. It's like, yeah. there's no substance here. We have no relationship to build off whatsoever. I I can't have any real feelings for you. <laughs> you don't know this, but we're meant for each other. <laughs> yeah, like, that's serial killer creepy. Which is disturbing, too, and I think that sets a bad precedent for kids. Yeah. Well, I think like, what's proven here is that precedent has been set way too long ago, right? And that it is now commonplace in movies like this in the late 90s, and it's going to be showing up again and again for a while. Probably. Like like that there's the one, and that there's fate, and that there's, like, maybe there is, maybe there is, I'm not, you know, but it's that, like... I mean, when it comes to, like, the Matrix, that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, you meet a girl in high school, and it puts a lot of pressure, or a guy, I'm just saying, like, Couples yeah. in, in high school, and I was in a relationship that you know wasn't the best. Looking back, and part of the reason it wasn't the best is that we f- we were together and we felt a lot of pressure to be together forever because that's kind of what we saw in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think kids watch this, and you know, our hero is a guy who thinks like that. Whereas, like, people should just date to get to know each other, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like, easier said it's than like, done, but get to know people. That's more important. Like, Preston should have got dejected like that, and Preston should have learned his friggin' lesson. Like, that's right. kind of where... But, you know, I'll play my own devil's advocate here, but when you are in, like, high school, and especially in, like, a high school relationship, for, like, the... I don't want to say the, like, the... How do I... It's everything's so much more intense because, like, you are, in like, in puberty, and your hormones are pushing, so it's like, everyone's like, you don't get it, Mom! We are men! It's like, no, clearly you're gonna break up in three weeks, but at that moment, you're like... No, man, this is it. This has to be it. You know, it's everything's just that much more intense, I feel like, when you're a teenager. No. Angst in that, like. Yeah, and I don't disagree with. Look, I disagree with the stuff he's saying, let me be clear. I don't disagree that that's, like, unrealistic for a kid to say. Right. I just kind of wish he wasn't supposed to be our hero, you know? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Then again, none of us should be looking at, like, an angsty 18 year old kid going. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Very. No, true. it's tough, but there are. I'm sure there's a lot of like 15 year old kids watching this, going like, "Oh, I'm gonna be like Preston one day." Or yeah, the, something. Like, like, oh, he's oh. a hopeless romantic. No, yeah, he's exactly. just yeah. kind of a creep. He's just kind of a creeper. <laughs> That's why, again, the the uh, you know Seth Green storyline seems so much better because they're two people who both have issues. Not like crazy issues, but both have issues. Both realize they have to overcome them. It's definitely the most realistic. Yeah, it, and if it, it feels nice, I feel good about it, you know. <laughs> so I guess you know there are other things happening in the party. Obviously, uh, any any little gags or stuff that really stuck out to you before we get to the police car? Uh, the band was great. All the band band oh, yeah. stuff and how like <laughs> they every time they <laughs> they never get to play a fucking song. Anybody order a love burger? Well done. One, two, whoa, whoa, what is that? It's one of our shirts, man. Wearing it for publicity. Those are for the fans. You don't wear the shirt of the band you're in. I think it's cool. Throw me one. No, no, we don't throw them one. Hey, look. No. If they get to wear the shirts, maybe I should wear the hat. You guys suck. <laughs> what the hell is that? A hat? Take off the hat. No, take off the hat. No, take it off. No, take it off. No. You want me to take it off? Look at you! You coming here looking like the white artist formerly known as Prince! Listen here, Hootie! Hootie! You are no talent fostering little smurf! Really? It's not what your girlfriend said last night in your van! Giggity giggity! Oh! <laughs> 
You guys are such amateurs, okay? I quit. Right? Way to go. Why'd you just take off the t-shirt? Me? You! We were fine until you pull out that stupid hat. This hat is not stupid. This hat is cool. Way to go, man. What the hell did I do? You think I could get a shirt? You know, the nostalgia? Yeah. Hey guys, what would you think about a reunion? Nothing big, a few new songs, mostly old stuff. Could be into that. Sure, why not? My Five Dads, I think we may have only played like one or two parties and like, thank God our songs are super short because I don't think anyone was ever into it. <laughs> but, uh, and plus I think we were more like sophomore juniors at the time that band was happening. But I just love the whole dynamic between these guys. I thought they were hilarious. One's got the hat, the other's dressed like white prints um the other guy made the shirts like it's hilarious and i love how that breaks them up like we can't wear our own shirts on stage that is weird that's it's definitely like no you don't (laughs) yeah i don't think anyone even like i don't think the spice girls even did that you know it's not something that you do so i I love how by the end of the night what do you say you know just a small reunion a few few club gigs Have any real gigs? Like that was kind of the funny part, where it's like <laughs> it felt like a realistic high school band. I a mean, few new songs, mostly new, mostly old. <laughs> yeah, they felt like real friends. Like I really got a sense of them in that short amount of time. Um, I, I think it comes from like Breck and Meyer be, being yeah. like dating the director, and they actually got married. You know, they're divorced huh. now, but so like he pretty much feeling like he can do whatever he wants. Obviously, he's worked with Donald Faison before too, so they have chemistry. Um, you know, and maybe the other guys in the band were, were really guys he knew. So, but you're right, the band has like great chemistry, and I really did like that element of it. Um, you know, there's other little beats in the party, but I don't think I think we've pretty much covered. I can't most. get enough of you, baby. Besides all the Smash Mouth. <laughs> Holy shit! It's like I expected Smash Mouth to show up. You know, like in old like. <laughs> In old beach movies and shit, like the band would be like a famous band or something. Yeah, or, of course. You know, yeah, people at a party would be like, "Oh, look, like Eddie Van Halen's here or whatever." But like, yeah, I thought for sure like Smash Mouth was gonna, you know, do a keg stand. <laughs> oh man, like you can tell like when Guy Fieri grew up as well. Feels like he belongs in this look. Feels like he belongs in this universe, you know. Like he would be one of the kids at this party. <laughs> the guys, I, I got the Smash Mouth tickets. I waited outside Tower <laughs> Records all night. <laughs> did you work at Tower Records? I did work at. I got yeah. I got fired from Tower Records. How did you get fired from Tower Records? If you don't mind me asking. Um, they uh, my drawer was fifty bucks short, and I, I didn't. You know, they fired me for that. So. Oh, that sucks. I thought it was gonna be a fun story of like conspiracy, nah, sad. Cons- <laughs> conspiracy to steal VHS tapes. I don't know. I thought you like you know like stole laser discs and were running. You know, no, black no, market or no. Something. But I think they Speaking thought of stealing things though. The klepto kid. Was oh kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that because they didn't they didn't hit it too hard. You know. 
No, no, he was just randomly in the background. Just... <laughs> he steals a cop car at the end. Yeah, and he steals the gumball machine in like the epilogue. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> just is... walks in and takes a gumball. He's like, machine. where's Waldo? In this yeah. Movie. That is true. Um, you know, being in this and American Pie, I would love to like interview him. I feel bad, though, like... No, I don't feel bad. I mean, whatever. I don't know what he's doing in his life, but I know like he's in some new commercial now, right? Oh, is he great? Because I know he was like working. At, he was working as a waiter in L.A. and people were like making fun of him. I'm like, that's so stupid. You guys gotta have a steady paycheck, you know? Oh yeah. Like that sounds like the guy from the Cosby Show. Yeah, right? uh, yeah. who's working at Trader Joe's? Like, you think like Klepto Kid and the Shermanator pays for you the rest of your life? Right, they're gigs. You get paid a certain amount of money for that. It's like you don't get keep getting paid. You're telling me there's not going to be a Clipto Kid spinoff? <laughs> Who knows? But I always, like, I, I just thought of that, and I really I feel really bad when people are like, what, you're this? Like, come on, leave him alone. <laughs> so we get, like, our police breakup of the party. Did that ever happen to you guys at a party? Um, Yeah, at least once at a party I was at. I remember the cops came, and everyone, like, started scrambling and jumping over fences and <laughs> then there were just more cops on the other side of the fence like just like throwing kids like on the back of the cars and not handcuffing them but like you know just interrogating like asking everybody like their age and what they're doing and all that kind of thing and um, never got like arrested at a party though that was and that was also for us it was like more that was definitely more college than high school Mm. I feel like breaking up party of it's also because we didn't do too much in high school. <laughs> and what I realized is like the cops will be civil if you just don't act like a yeah, just don't idiot. Be a dick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like don't go running. Don't try and outrun them. Like just stay calm and yeah, hang it's, out it's and like, let them go through their. They routine. don't want to be there either. <laughs> like they're not. They're not going to get anything out of this. It's just like we have to break up this party. Don't make my night more difficult. You know, you know how much like, shit would happen if they brought in like 50 kids into like the local town, like jail for exactly. The what are you going to do? Hold all these guys <laughs> in, in the wagon. And like, no, at most I've seen, like it never happened to me in high school, but I remember one of, I forgot which one of my brothers, but it happened to one of my brothers. The cops broke it up and I'm ready to pick them up. And it was more like this party's broken up and you need someone who's not drunk or yeah. we're not here to pick you up, and that's it, you know? Yeah, because then it's a legality. That's like, who can, who's going to get sued if you do? Yeah, yeah and true. I even remember, like, after high school, the cops would show up and be like, all right, we just want uh, license plate numbers because, like, we're, you know, if you're not here in the morning, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just so we know, like, which cars are yeah, here. Yeah, who's parking so we, overnight. Yeah, and, like, we'll know, like, if you drove drunk, I guess, like, <laughs> if you're not here. But, <laughs> Uh, so the cops break it up, and we get, like, the conclusion. I mean, we already talked about it, but we get the conclusion of the nerd uh, chloroform story. I keep forgetting what to call it. Our, Rick and Will. Yeah. <laughs> they're photographed together, and it's like, oh, what happened here? You know, his friends get arrested. Uh, we have a sad moment in that story, kind of, right? Like, at the diner the next day. When, yeah. Because he, he, Mike, kind of... Like covered for. Yeah, he, he covered said, no, nah, it was all me. I did it. Yeah. I, I, I got him drunk and he passed out. Because like, they, they started really, really getting along at the party. So it was it was super upsetting because then he goes to the diner. He like apologized. He's like, I'm sorry I picked on you all. Yeah, it was a real breakfast club moment happening there. Yeah, absolutely. And he goes to the diner and he like doesn't know him, you know. Doesn't acknowledge him. It's, pre- <laughs> it's pretty uh realistic though. Probably. Calls him Urkel. Yeah, calls him Urkel. It's sad though. Fuck that guy. <laughs> we, we have... Our little ending kind of moment with uh, Seth Green and such, where what what happens, right? Like, well, they... like after they 
have sex, like, he kind of reverts a little bit back to, like, evil Kenny and then chases her down, like, on the street and, yeah. like, genuinely apologizes. And then they meet up at the diner and it says that, like, she breaks up with him in five minutes, but then in ten minutes they make up again in the bathroom. <laughs> and it shows so that it looks is, like they'll be together. I like this because it shows it's going to be, like, a process for him, you know? Yeah. And the both of them, like, even when she's telling, like, Ethan Embry about it happening, he's like, him? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I definitely, I definitely understand that. And I like that because it felt realistic. And maybe they don't last through college, who knows? But it's nice that they're giving it a try. Do you think Kenny's going to college? <laughs> you never know. It seemed like everyone, when they did the yearbook profiles, like, had, like, a really good college they were going to. That's true, yeah. It's like, and he's all, like, butthurt about Amanda. Like, <laughs> dude, not, you're going to a Vonnegut like workshop and then you're going to Dartmouth with it's... literally Kurt Vonnegut apparently yeah like well he was still alive <laughs> at the time yeah <laughs> that's crazy yeah like calm down alright <laughs> like, you'll be fine like you'll... you'll be back in like a few weeks anyway for you know whatever holiday is next <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should talk about that right like she chases him not chases him but like she meets him at the train station because she asked like his dad where he was his dad where he was which is also weird it's like oh hey for college, can't get out. <laughs> like, your dad doesn't go with you to like say bye or anything like that. Well, you should um, you should probably go then. You know, maybe it's better this way. Maybe I should just be single for a while or something. Sure. Maybe it's like you said. You know, all this happened for a reason. I said that, didn't I? Well, Preston, good luck. Yeah, you too. Yeah, I thought it was weird. I mean, this happens in American Graffiti, but it's at the end of the summer, or at the end of that movie, a character goes off to college. Uh, or I think it no is it the beginning I don't know exactly but I always found it a little weird in this that Preston is leaving the next day and that like he's going to a party the night before and he's just like whatever like I'm gonna stay up until like four or five in the morning and chase this girl around and then like get on a train like he went home and like showered and changed and ate breakfast and then met went to the train station like in the morning like it's crazy when i think about it <laughs> yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense but obviously they do it a to raise the stakes b they really want to stick to this kind of like mostly 24 hour storyline oh yeah so I-, I was okay with it. it it is weird though and then they kind of what do they end up deciding i don't even like remember honestly she no she like they don't like hook up there and he goes like he hangs out with her for like that day and takes a later train yeah. or something like that. Yeah, so like but, she comes in and is like, I read your letter, and he's like, go. Oh. No, she's like, I got your letter, and he's like, well, that's your letter or whatever. They have that cute little thing. And then he's like, oh, my train. And then she's like, oh, that sucks. And they both turn to walk away, but he chases her down. He like runs back, and he's like, yeah, there's another train in like a couple hours. And then he plants one on her, and they, they kiss together. and Standing there, and he takes a train several hours later. And, a yeah, and then it says, like, she she writes him letters. Like, every day he's away. She yeah. writes him letters, yeah, and they're, they're still together to this day. Womp, womp. Still, still. Apparently <laughs> they're still together, whatever. <laughs> True love. Um, God, and they're probably such an annoying couple. Yeah. <laughs> like, they are... They agree on everything. 
Yeah, and just so much PTA. <laughs> well, you know, you just have to get lucky like me and Amanda did, and, you know, you'll find your some. It's like, just shut up. <laughs> like, I know. Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny because as we talk about it, and Danny mentioned this too, like, there's so little I care about in this film. So why did I have so much fun watching it, you know? And I did have a blast watching it. Yeah, part of it for me is just there's a real good party vibe going on in this movie. <laughs> right? You know, like, Smash I feel Mouth like Man, Smash Mouth. I'm telling you, like, it was in my blood. Like, I was having a good time. Like, I almost felt like I was there. I went a long way. Dan, this just came to me now, but I remember in high school, your aunt bought you a Smash Mouth CD, and you brought it. No, no, it wasn't my aunt. Who, who was it? Uh, was it my aunt? No. I remember, like, my mom. Maybe your mom. Got me, like,. A Smash Mouth CD and like a Creed CD for like Christmas <laughs> oh or my birthday, and like I didn't. I'm not gonna sit there and tell my mom like this is fucking trash. <laughs> like I don't like any of this. Like oh, it was your and mom. Like, okay. I just, it was your mom. Sorry. I th- I'm pretty sure. I know the Creed one was definitely my mom. But I remember you br- you brought it to school been. and you were like trying to give it to people. Like hey, you want this? <laughs> and, and no one would take it. <laughs> no, because nobody wants it. <laughs> and it wasn't even this album. Or the next album it was like the album after it was, that. It was some random. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Smash Mouth's who, third album, which who, who knows what was on it. You know. <laughs> Sorry, I just remembered uh, that. But yeah, Mike, I think you're right. Oh, yeah. There's like a really cool party vibe in this, and I have fun watching it. So I mean, we're at that point in the podcast. What do you want to rate it on? Because I I had some ideas. Like one thing I wrote down was Pop Tarts because I oh. I saw Pop Tarts in this. And I'm like, man, I haven't had a Pop-Tart in, like, forever. <laughs> <laughs> it made me really want crave Pop-Tarts. But if there's anything else you guys would want to rate this on. I don't know. Love I was letters. Thinking... <laughs> Love letters. Uh... Well, I was thinking the amount of beers according to my net card. Oh. <laughs> That's not bad. That's cool, too. Let's do beers according to uh, something on the net, whatever. So, <laughs> Mike... That might be too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Pop-Tarts. Back to Pop-Tarts. <laughs> Back to Pop-Tarts. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, as our as our forever senior, I'll let you go first. On a scale of okay. one to five, how many pop tarts do you rate? Uh, can't hardly wait. Um, while I really like this movie, I, I think it dropped a little bit. To be honest, after this conversation, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. How about how about you? Still Dan? high. Still high. Yeah. No, it's funny. I'm kind of right there with him. It's like yeah. Even the more we analyzed it. <laughs> uh, it yeah, it's not a movie to think about too hard. Right? Yeah, I should, like, I, should, I should have let it be because it was it was pretty high up in my ranking until we actually started thinking about it. I'm gonna float right there with them, like three, three and a half. Cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna give this film uh, four pop tarts. I was also gonna give it three and a half, but I'm gonna give it a little bit more credit because of how I felt after watching it, and I think okay. I think we're all right. Like, this isn't a film that you should sit around talking about. This is a film you should just watch and enjoy. Sorry, guys, if you're a Can't Hardly Wait fan and we ruined it for you. But I think we all really enjoyed our experience watching it. So I'm going to stick with my four because that's what's important, right? It's not about the discussion yeah. you have about it. It's about how you feel while you're, like, watching the damn thing. But, yeah, as we discussed, there's a lot of things I don't care about. There's a lot of problematic things. But I had fun watching this film. And, you know, that's cool. We were at the party with them, and that, I think that's awesome. Yeah, agreed. So, uh, what can't hardly wait sleeping bag <laughs> would you want to bring, if any sleeping bag at all? Oh, I mean, I gotta whatever. bring the the Kenny special. You know, if imagine 
if his backpack is filled with all that shit, just imagine what a sleeping bag comes with. It can't even begin. <laughs> it's probably got like, you know, full bottles of shampoo for the morning and like slippers in there and just like fully stocked with like whatever the hell you need to have like a great night at a sleepover. I think this was before like Axe body spray was the thing because that would have... <laughs> but he embodies everything that Axe body he spray is now stands the for. the poster boy. <laughs> I guarantee the person who invented Axe watched this film and was like, wait a minute, I can do that in one What does bottle. that guy smell like? Oh! <laughs> I had a what if I could, yeah, what if I could turn Smash Mouth into a scent? What would that be? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. And that brings me to my next point. I totally forgot to say this, but um, Smash Mouth's featured a lot on the soundtrack. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> but no, 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 but Blink-182 is as well. Um, their song Damn It is featured in this film. Mm-hmm. And actually, Mark Hoppus, the lead singer of Blink-182, I guess, right? Like the bassist. Mm-hmm. Is, he, yeah. is he the one who's not in the band anymore? No, no, no. That's Tom DeLonge. That's Tom DeLonge. Okay, he's the he's one. Angels and Airwaves. He's the one who's ironically looking for UFOs, like the kids in this film. I have a lot of his UFO books. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> and Mark Hoppus, though, he wrote a song called "Going Away to College," and it was inspired by watching the film "Can't Hardly Wait." Oh, I did not know that. So, so as we can imagine, the inventor of Axe body spray watched this and was inspired by the Smash Mouth and this film. The Mark Hoppus was actually inspired by this film to write that song, so I thought that was a pretty cool fact. I like it. So, Dan, what's your uh, Can't Hardly Wait related sleeping bag, whether it's vaguely Oh, uh, I'm going to do the, the William and Mike special and just sleep naked with some red puffballs glued to my nips. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take some Polaroids. It'll be fun. Works for me. I, I, was, I thought that one I'll would be I'll sleep like a baby with the chloroform. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you guys solved that a lot faster than I thought you would, so... Thank you. Thank you. That was awesome. Anything else you want to uh, discuss for Can't Hardly Wait? I think we uh, I think we did it pretty well here. Yeah, I think uh, I was surprised again by like, not, I guess you could call them cameos now, but like at the time, how many, uh, how, how sort of just littered this is with all the young stars. Yeah, it's, it's almost like you said earlier, it's almost like playing like Where's Waldo, like, you know, like you can, every scene you can kind of poke like, is that so-and-so? Is that so-and-so? Like the Selma Blair one got me. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I feel like where the story fails, like there's still the spirit prevails. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, like, and I'll tell you, from, yeah, not bad. Um, <laughs> you could probably turn that into a drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> um, we could certainly make that a podcast. But, um, but you know, like uh, I, the last thing I guess I'll say is like, um, as someone who was pretty much there, like this seems pretty accurate. Like once I got really drunk, like. You know, and everybody sort of becomes inflated or whatever. Like this, this is this is kind of how it felt um, walking around a party drunk in the late night <laughs> and uh, just seeing all this crazy stuff happen. Oh, so awesome, awesome. So, uh, you know, where can people find you guys? And Mike, I know you have a show you want to talk about, probably or, or promote. So, this is the time in the show where you have people. Realize how important and cool and all the great things you do in your life. So, um, okay, should I go first? I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can check out my. I got several shows on the network here on Cage Club, but um, I guess my solo show is Third Times a Charm, where I talk about the third film in a franchise. Brian has been on there quite a bit recently. We talked about some wrestling. We went to the prom. <laughs> um. 
who knows, we might um, meet a friendly neighborhood superhero sooner than later. I'm not sure what's on the schedule exactly the rest of this summer. Um, but then you can also check out every other every Friday where I'm doing this project called the Tom Tom Club with Cage Club co-founder Joey Lewandowski, where we look at the careers of Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks. And every other Friday, we alternate between them. So one Friday, you'll get Hanks for the Memories. And uh, the next week, you'll get Cruise Club. And it goes on like that, uh, one after the other. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, Tom Cruise movies are awesome. Uh, early Hanks movies are a bit of a struggle, but still fun. Still been the shows, no matter what, are always good and a lot of fun to do. And uh, Brian's been over there as well, so don't just check out his shows. Check out all the shows, and then of course, always got to go check out Cage Club Prime. Uh, the man put out eight movies last year, so go catch up on Nicolas Cage. Yet to put out a film this year. Uh, so waiting on you, Nick Cage. Where are you, buddy? <laughs> and yeah. And then, you know, cageclub.me for all the other places that I'm at online. And Mike, yes, we, we've done a lot of shows together recently, and I've appreciated it. And I, I'm so glad you came on Can't Hardly Wait, not only because you could relate to it so much, but also, you know, we went to prom together, and now we just graduated together. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And I don't want to see you for the rest of the summer. No, <laughs> all right, Dan, where can people follow you? All right, my list isn't uh, quite so big. However, <laughs> um, I'll throw out the shameless plug. If you need medium or heavy-duty trucks <laughs> for anything, uh, that's um, not. I mean, what do I have? What do I don't even know my Instagram. <laughs> Instagram is um, Broken Panda eighty-seven. That's pretty much all I'm really active on. Uh, I don't have a Twitter or anything like that, and I don't do my own podcasting. Um, but yeah, if you need Hino, Zuzu, Volvo, or Mack trucks, you can find me. Just email me at dferrara at com, and uh, we'll get you hooked up with whatever equipment you need. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Thank you for sponsoring so, the show this week, Dan. Yeah, That's right. like a <laughs> real, real plug. Yeah. It's like a commercial. I love it. Yeah, I, I like how you're like, I don't have the big list you do. I just have, you know, an awesome sponsor. <laughs> well, they're paying me. <laughs> Technically. Well, thank you. I appreciate when the show is sponsored. I always like that. And <laughs> thank you, Dan. Thank you, Mike, for coming on. Um, you know, I don't know how how to end. How does this movie exactly end? Maybe there'll be like the a... cops come. The cops. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah let's <laughs> Bye, guys. It doesn't end. They're still together. <laughs> We're still together. Thanks. <laughs> So I figured you'd want to listen to some more Smash Mouth after listening to three guys talk about Can't Hardly Wait for almost two hours, right? Smash Mouth? (laughs) But I honestly loved the soundtrack of this film. It's silly, but it's awesome. You know who I love, too? Love Burger, the band in this film. And I was thinking, right? Like, I know you guys heard, even in this episode I mentioned the Josie and the Pussycats vinyl. But I don't know if I mentioned that it came with a special surprise. Now, Josie and the Pussycats, if you've seen the film, there's another band in it called Du Jour. And same director, same acquaintances. And I thought it was hilarious that 
du jour, two of its members, are in Love Burger, and another of its members is Kenny. So I thought it'd be funny, right, like if maybe Love Burger got back together on that reunion and somehow became du jour. I don't know. I'm going crazy. I'm mixing universes, but it works. And I think uh, someone on Facebook even mentioned this as well. That's a reminder, guys. You can always comment on Facebook. I will interact with you. I have a lot of fun with the slumberers. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. But your homework assignment for next week, as mentioned before, is not a film. No, it is to vote, guys. Vote for your freshman year superlatives. So log on to Facebook, if that's what they say, log on. I don't know. Go on to Facebook, go on to Twitter. Instagram doesn't have clickable links, so screw them. High School Slumber Party Facebook, High School Slumber Party Twitter. It's easy to find. You'll find the clickable page. It's a Google form. And here are the categories you're going to vote for. The winners will be decided next week. Favorite film. A lot of good movies there, as you know. Most artistic Class Clown, Coolest Car in the Parking Lot, Best Couple, Best Makeover, Most Athletic, Most Likely to Succeed, Class Song, Top That! That's my choice, but don't let that influence you. Most Musical, Class Creep, Favorite Teacher, Biggest Party Animal, Class Hunk, and The Prom Queen. So this will be not like all high school films. It'll just be films we covered so far in what I like to call our freshman year. And who knows? Maybe you guys pass your freshman year and it'll be smooth sailing, a nice calm summer until sophomore year next September. I guess you're going to have to wait for next week to find out. But vote, vote, vote. That's your homework. And of course... Listen to all the other great shows on the Cage Club Podcast Network. That's cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm so excited to reveal the yearbook choices next week. So stop by next Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, Twitter. I leave you with, of course, Barry Manilow, Mandy. Later, dudes.
you're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.